Friday already. Okay, sounds good to me. Give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Good morning to you. Welcome to Friday, January 15. Marcus Paul in the morning. All the news in your views, let's talk about the issues. 13 12 69, the open line number. If you want to send a text to the program, 0458 049 209. And those emails, keep them coming. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. And of course, you can follow us on social media as well. and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Friday, January 15. And I want to start the morning with some really good news. It would appear that the campaign to save the iconic freshwater ferries, the Manly Ferry as it's iconically known as, well, it looks like this campaign succeeded to some extent. Half of the famed Manly Ferry Fleet has now been saved from the scrap heap by a New South Wales government following a campaign to preserve the famous Sydney Harbour vessels. A second Manly Ferry, the Freshwater, will remain on the water alongside her sister ship, Collaroy to carry tourists across the harbour on weekends. Transport Minister Andrew Constance has uh, confirmed this news and he's promised in, of course, he promised in November to save at least one of these freshwater class ferries. And he says the decision to preserve a second one had required balance. Well, well done. The move comes after pressure from the community. Uh, Local Liberal MP James Griffin, well done to you, James. And also the Daily Telegraph and, of course, us here at uh, the Super Radio Network. We wanted to keep the Manly Ferry on the harbour. Now, this decision is about balancing the needs of all our customers with the community feedback and additional maintenance costs and moving forward with a solution that we can all get on board with. So said the Transport Minister. So that's fantastic. The fleet of four freshwater-class ferries were commissioned between 1982 and 88. Now, the oldest continually serving vessels on the harbour, but, gee, they're iconic, aren't they? Look, I know that they're, they're probably gas guzzlers, and I know that, you know, some people actually say that we really should be cutting back on these sorts of transport costs, but... When you weigh it all up, these ferries are iconic. So the freshwater and the Collaroy will carry tourists between Circular Quay and Manly every hour on weekends and public holidays from mid-year, while a fleet of new Emerald-class boats will service commuters as frequently as every 15 minutes during the week. I think that's a pretty decent outcome. 
There we go. Common sense. The Cambry Compromise found from time to time. Isn't that nice? 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have you say. Look, a new business survey revealed 23% of businesses remain concerned about government support packages such as JobKeeper and also tax relief coming to an end. The December Business Conditions Survey found businesses and their confidence were positive for the first time since June 2018. We'll try and catch up with Damien Kelly from Business New South Wales on the program. But, I mean, he says it's not all good news. So we'll speak to Business New South Wales. But if you want to have your say on that, give me a call. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Oh, by the way, um, for those that perhaps are asking or were concerned, what are the other two ferries? Well, the Narrabeen and the Queenscliff. Those two ferries, bearing in mind there are four of them, the freshwater class, the Narrabeen and the Queenscliff ferries will be retired in the middle of the year. That's when the new Emerald class vehicles will begin operation across Sydney Harbour from Circular Quay to Manly. (music) Meanwhile, speaking of the water... A man's recovering in hospital after being attacked by a shark in Perth. Uh, The bloke in his 50s was bitten on the leg by a bull shark while swimming at Point Walter Reserve in the Swan River at around 8 o'clock yesterday morning. It's understood the shark was between 2 and 3 metres long. Sharks don't usually swim in the river, we're told. The last fatal attack was back in, well, way back in 1923 over there in Perth on the Swan River. 1923. Long time between meals. No, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) What are you laughing at out there, Scruff? Anyway, just take it easy. And of course, uh, as we always say, we've got a fairly decent day on the way. Very warm in some areas. Of course, west of the Great Divide and in Sydney's western suburbs. uh, The temperature getting up to what, what are we told? Around 30 odd degrees. Uh, For the weekends, it's going to be beautiful. For the most part, um, not too hot as well, particularly along the coast. Tops around 26 degrees. Look, if you are going uh, to the beach this weekend, make sure, please, you follow the advice of Surf Life Saving New South Wales and Queensland. And you know the deal. Swim between the flags. As you would have heard in the last, uh, well, in the news cycle of the last 24 hours, we've had more drownings, unfortunately. Give me a call, 13 12 69 is the telephone number now. It's a Friday, we normally catch up with Mark Latham from One Nation, and we will a little later this morning, just after 7.30. Mark will join us on the program. He's asking the question, should we stop overseas travellers to Australia? Well, (laughs) I'd love to, but see, the problem will be that, of course, it'll be a, a situation where people will turn around and say, oh, yeah, but... I should have taken up tennis because, as you would have heard during the news, that one tennis player on his way to Australia for the Open down in Melbourne, well, one has already tested positive to COVID-19. And I had a look this morning. It's almost like the medical fraternity and those that are assisting the Australian Open are making the rules up as they go, moving the goalposts, so to speak. They say that this player, uh, Tenzin, 
Can't remember his last name. I'll get it for you in a moment. But they say this player uh, has tested positive to COVID-19, but it's... See, this is the thing I don't quite understand. They say he, he got it from elsewhere and that it was a uh, a different kind of positive result. What? Anyway, um, <laughs> that's the argument that people will say. I mean, we've imported this latest strain of COVID-19 the really deadly one from the United Kingdom. Why? Well, quite simply because we've had our borders open. Anyway, Mark will talk about that this morning. Also, the Trump impeachment. Uh, The latest sees Donald Trump, of course, calling for calm. He doesn't want to see any more political protesting leading to what we saw last week, the storming of the Capitol. So I'll play a little of what Trumpy's had to say in the last 24 hours, but he's certainly starting to try and calm things down, which is, of course, in the best interest of the United States of America. We'll talk about that. Social media censorship, regulation, etc. That's all with Mark Latham. That's coming up. Uh, Damien Kelly, by the way, from Business New South Wales, will join us just after our 6.30 news. So we'll hear from Damo then. Uh, now, after 8 o'clock... Am I right in saying my mate Chris Bowen from bowensgarage.com.au not only has a new podcast up, as he does his wonderful car reviews, but he's also got one of the latest BMWs. And he hasn't invited me for a test drive yet. It's going on. So we'll talk to Bowie about that after 8 o'clock this morning. bowensgarage.com.au. Chris Bowen, our motoring expert, back on the program for 2021. but I'd love to hear from you this morning on this Friday. Give me a call. It's January 15. A number of ways you can be a part of the program on the open line. 13 12 69, the telephone number. If you want to send me a text, 0458 049 209. And, of course, the email MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. All the news and your views as per always. Yeah, Jason Derulo, Marcus Paul in the morning, and let me take you dancing. Uh, look, I um, I didn't realise this, but that's because I didn't read uh, all of the information. Uh, but Andy Murray has also tested positive to COVID-19. Andy, well, he's one of the biggies. So they say now preparations for the Oz Open could be thrown into disarray after former world number one Andy Murray tested positive to COVID-19. And, of course, the other bloke, who I mentioned earlier, has also got it, Uh, Tenzin Sangren. Is that how you say it? Or, I don't know, Tennis Sangren? Wouldn't be a tennis star with the name Tennis, would there? Anyway, look, Andy Murray has tested positive for COVID-19, but still wants to come to Melbourne to play in the Australian Open. The British former world number one, who had made a remarkable recovery from injury, was in discussions with tournament organisers about when he would be allowed to enter our country. The news comes amid concerns that flying more than 1,200 tennis players and their entourage into Melbourne will increase the risk of a new coronavirus outbreak. Well, there's little doubt about that. Of course, it'll increase the risk, but is it manageable? I guess that's the big question. And the allowance for the players to play in Melbourne comes at the same time as tens of thousands of Australians are waiting to get home because of strict 
flight caps and quarantine. You see, this is where it becomes unfair, in my opinion. Look, the 33-year-old tennis star, Murray, was understood to be in good health and was hoping he could delay his arrival into Melbourne ahead of the tournament starting on Feb 8. His team, it's later this year, his team was working with tournament director Craig Tilly to find a workaround to his positive test. Murray was isolating at home, but there were no details of when he had caught the virus, which has been swarming across the UK with as many as 1 in 20 people infected in some parts of London, for goodness sake. In 2021, 2SN has Sydney talking. Marcus Paul in the morning. Morning to you, Albo. How are you feeling? The head-on uh, collision with a, uh, a Range Rover on the wrong side of the road. I was uh, just very, very lucky to survive the, the, the accident. The, my car is uh, an absolute write-off. I just received magnificent support from the, the police, of course, arrived very quickly. Uh, and then uh, the paramedics were terrific. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Don't put your mask over the glasses. Well, I've got my mask here. All right, I've got... I'm going to put it on. It's a little difficult with headphones. Hang on there. So the mask is going on. <laughs> I can't see a thing. When yeah. you put your glasses on, tuck them underneath it. Oh, I see. All right, good tip. 2SM has Sydney talking. Okay, it's Friday. Welcome back to the program. January 15, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number, and of course, emails. MP in the morning at 2SMSupernetwork.com. Good morning, Sue. Uh, Sue's already had her say online in relation to the fact that the Australian Tennis Open could be importing more COVID-19 here to Australia. Well, of course, the big news is one of the big stars of international tennis, Andy Murray, has tested positive to COVID-19 but still wants to come to Australia to play in the Oz Open. Should he be allowed to? Let me know your thoughts. 13 12 69. All right, New South Wales's peak business organisation, Business New South Wales, says that while businesses have shown their resilience and optimism in the face of COVID-19, this confidence can be quickly eroded by lockdowns and border closures. Now, I want to talk to Business New South Wales's Damien Kelly. Morning, Damo. Happy New Year, mate. Yeah, likewise to you and your listeners. All right, in the December Business Conditions Survey... New South Wales businesses told you they were turning the corner following the ravages of COVID-19. Was that right? Yeah, that's right. It really is a, a tale of, uh, of two stories because our, our survey showed that, um, as you asserted, that the businesses across New South Wales were turning the corner and it was the, uh, the best result we'd had in terms of positivity uh, since mid-2018. However, the survey was closed before the outbreak on the northern beaches and then oh, border closures. And that, of course, tipped everyone back over the edge again. So that, that's what we're saying. It, it was great news, but um, we know, whilst we don't have the data, we do know that the, the impacts of that, that cluster on the northern beaches and then the lockdowns on the borders uh, has really had a dramatic impact. Well, that's right. Since that survey uh, was finalised, you've heard from business owners on the northern beaches and and also around. And we can't also forget border communities. You know about how oh, quick. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. 
Uh, absolutely, particularly at this time of year when it's it's school holidays and it's a long holiday period and people like to get in the car and, and drive freely because that's what Australia is all about, but particularly even those who have planned whether they've come from Victoria and we're going to be on the the south coast of, of New South Wales is a particular, uh, particularly popular spot for Victorian travellers and, and like, you know, up, up on the north coast and the Queensland border and the Byron area and Kingscliff and, and all those great spots. And the ability or the lack of ability to travel freely between the states, you know, became impossible. And then if you were on one side of the border, you had to get back within a day or you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks and with young kids and all those sorts of headaches. And so all of those border communities. And it's important to note, as your, as your listeners understand, it's not just, you know, the, the caravan park or the motel that suffers. It's the entire town because these people, you know, go out to the local restaurant for dinner or they go to the local, uh, you know, tourist attraction or they have an afternoon coffee at the local yeah. coffee place and then those casual staff don't get employed. So the, the flow-on effect is not just, you know, and it's not just a case of, oh, well, the, the accommodation providers are whinging or whatever. No. It's entire communities are on, on the supply chain that, that literally get wiped out as a result of these um, these closures. It's going to be a little tough this first quarter of the calendar year. It'll be crucial for many businesses with a number of government support packages reducing and coming to an end. Now, you say despite overall increases in confidence, 23% of businesses claim they are still at a high risk of failure when support, including JobKeeper, tax relief, interest waivers and other measures conclude. Yeah, that's right, because as it currently stands, um, you know, there'll be further reductions and then reviews of JobKeeper come the end of March. And so a number of businesses are saying that, you know, while they're okay at the moment, they're really fearful of what will happen once all of those various support measures end and and there's various, you know, uh, other supports apart from JobKeeper in terms of um, loan repayments and interest, uh, uh, you know, insurance payments and a number of business-related costs. And they know that they've been, you know, to to use a phrase, sort of kicked down the road a little bit in terms of, you know, when, when a number of those were due. But there will be coming a time and it's coming quickly that all these things, you know, we know JobKeeper can't go on forever. There needs to be a a sunset to all of that and all of that support, uh, those support mechanisms. And that time is coming soon and businesses are concerned about their uh, ability to remain, you know, stable and robust and keep the doors open once all of those measures go out. Because whilst things are bouncing back in a number of industries, yeah. They haven't bounced back as as far as as they were, say, this time a year ago when when coronavirus wasn't really a thing that we'd heard about. Mm. The other thing, of course, businesses across New South Wales are still reluctant to begin hiring, as taking on extra staff is still seen as one area of concern. Damien, yeah, that's right. Whilst businesses are, are optimistic and they were confident and they were looking to expand, and a number of businesses were doing that, and when we talk about expansion. That doesn't only necessarily mean mean staff. It might mean expand their hours of operation, or expand their product lines, or, or you know expand their premises, or something like that. They are still very reticent to take on additional staff. They're very concerned about what that will mean. They're very concerned about their capacity to remain solvent for those extra staff members. So they might be doing extra hours, and existing staff might be doing longer hours, or they might be doing longer hours themselves. That, you know, that next step, the next, you know, the, the next piece of the puzzle is in, okay, I, I'm, I'm traveling okay and I can really kick on if I get more staff in, 
that decision is still yet to be made and they're still very cautious about that step. And that will be the key the clear signal that we have officially bounced back. All right, Damo, we'll keep an eye on it, of course, and we'll speak to you uh, probably in the coming weeks on this. Thank you, Damien. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. All right, there is Damien Kelly from Business New South Wales. Give me a call on this Friday, January 15. Let me know what's on your mind. Beautiful morning out there. 13 12 69, the telephone number. MP in the morning at 2SM. If you would like to send us an email. Look, if your dog gets overexcited when you mention the word walk, you're not alone. Apparently, the phrase walkies is most likely to get your four-legged fur baby's heart rate up. They've done a study into this. Absolutely, they have. These are the kinds of studies I love. A three-month study of over 4,000 pet owners by researchers at OnBuy found a dog's heart rate increased by 36% on average when the word walkies. Walkies. How do you say it, Scruff? you got a dog. Walkies, come on. Anyway, <laughs> the dog's heart rate goes up. You believe that, Scruff? Hey, I do, I do. The, uh, my dog, Gracie, is most excited when we go for a walk. Um, and what you... She takes me for a walk because look, yeah. look at me. I'm not the fittest person in the world. Right. What's her name? Gracie. Gracie, yes. And what sort of dog? She's beautiful. Border Collie. Beautiful. Best dogs I reckon you can get. Well, what do you reckon the other uh, key words are that gets uh, Gracie's heart rate up? Dindins. Dinner. Yes. Well, that's true. There are uh, several other words or phrases likely to provoke a similar response from your fur babies. The words dinner, food and eat raised a dog's heart rate up from up to around 152 beats per minute. That's up 32% from their resting rate. Uh, you know what, uh, what else is a big word for doggies? What's that? Treat. Oh, yes. They love their treats. Treat is also a favourite among canines. Now, the five breeds of dog most likely to get excited by happy commands are French Bulldogs, Beagles, Rottweilers, Labrador Retrievers and Dachshunds. Ooh. Dachshunds, mother of four and pet lover Amy, agrees with the findings of the study, seeing similar reactions from her nine-year-old Moodle. What's a Moodle? Never heard of it. A moodle. A moodle. M. Is it a poodle it's a mixed poodle. with something else? Yeah, it's a, it's a poodle with something. Yeah. Give us a call if you have a moodle, not a noodle, but a moodle with M. <laughs> M-O-O-D-L-E. Apparently her dog Nash loves walkies. He understands what it means. He'll get up and get excited. It's almost like he's tap dancing on the floorboards. <laughs> when we say dinner or food, he'll get on his back legs and spin around. Ah, but I still want to know what a Moodle is. M-O-O-D-L-E. If you have a Moodle or you know what kind of uh, fur baby that is, what's the breed? Give us a call, 13 12 69. What about uh, my commands for you, Justin? 
Get out. <laughs> that gets your heart rate up. <laughs> Cookies. Morning, Marcus Paul in the morning. It's 13 minutes to 7. Hello there. Of the 80s, hey? Boy meets girl, waiting for a star to fall. Thank you for 
couple of texts and notes we've got here in relation to a Moodle, but Maria's been kind enough to call us. Hello, Maria. How are you? Oh, really great, Marcus. Can you hear me? I've got you, sweetheart. Moodles, what are they? They are Maltese cross mini... Uh, Mini poodles. Ah, uh, Maltese. Maltese cross poodles. Maltese cross poodles. Makes sense. Very yep. fluffy little fellas, really fluffy. Are they beautiful? All dogs are. Well, that's very <laughs> true, isn't it? Yep. They're... I've got two Shih Tzus and one little, which I didn't think I'd have, one little um, long-haired chihuahua. A long-haired chihuahua. Yeah, a long-haired chihuahua. Mm. And uh, I'm getting another one in three weeks, another little chihuahua. Wow, you'll have your own, uh, well, little... Uh, Menagerie. Yeah. Well, true. So your <laughs> yeah. fur babies, what are their names? I've got Harry, the seven-year-old Shih Tzu. Yeah. I've got Matt, this is a good one, Matt Donald. Ah. He is <laughs> he's one and a half Shih yeah. Tzu. Yep. And I've got Pablo, the little long-haired Chihuahua. Oh, Pablo, see, sí, see, sí, Pablo. <laughs> I love it. Hey, so do they um, do they listen and, and get excited to commands like walkies? Because talking of walkies gets the heart rate up of our little fur babies. Oh, I know. They definitely do. And it's because we talk to them and, and we repeat these things so often and they get very used to it. So mine go for walkies every afternoon. Lovely. Um, then treaties, treaties. Um, at the moment, they're barking their heads off their... Their heart rates are up again because neighbours are walking their dogs past. And, well, they're just and jealous. They really, yeah, they want to get out and amongst it, I think. They do, and you, you never need a doorbell. <laughs> That's right. It reminds me of that wonderful photograph, Maria, where somebody's taken a picture of their beautiful dogs, little little dogs just sitting on their beds, and, what, yeah. and the caption yeah. is doorbell sitting on their charges, just <laughs> charging up for the next yapping session. Maria, yeah, you, have well, a, yep, you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for calling and, and love to you and your little fur babies, okay? Thanks, and you, you sound very happy today, Marcus. Me? I'm always happy, yeah. Maria. Yeah, you're really, you're, you're on the charge today. It's lovely <laughs> to hear you anyway. Thank you so much and have a, a nice weekend. Thank you for the call. All right, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, let's have a, 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 by the way, thank you to Ash and Mick, who uh, made contact with us to also let us know, of course, what a Moodle is, a Maltese cross poodle. And apparently they're very, very fluffy. The federal government has committed to a two-stage strategy to protect us from COVID-19 by making vaccines available as soon as possible, while also pursuing herd immunity in the longer term. A widespread rollout of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine to most of the population is planned still, but a more limited rollout of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine of up to 5 million people subject to their final approval is also on the cards. Now, the government expects people could take two doses of one vaccine and then take another at a later point. See, this is where it starts to get a little worrying for me. The government's got a fight on its hands with a number of anti-vaxxers and, and people who aren't necessarily anti-vaxxers who just re- will refuse outright to get the thing. And yet we're hearing, what, you need to get a couple of doses? Anyway, I guess it will all depend on how the vaccines are delivered. 
you don't like needles, a lot of people won't get jabbed. What about oral pills? Maybe that's the way to go. Anyway, we'll talk more about that this morning, but I see that the Chief Medical Officer of Australia, Paul Kelly, said one such option could be the candidate from Novavax, which Australia has an agreement to buy 51 million doses of from Europe, although it could eventually be made here by company CSL. It all comes after scientists this week questioned whether or not the AstraZeneca vaccine would be good enough. I mean, the... Uh, Well, the findings in trials show that AstraZeneca might only be around 62% effective. And that's compared to the alternates, including Pfizer, which is 95% effective. But Professor Andrew Pollard, who's director of the Oxford Vaccine Group and chief investigator of its recent clinical trials, has warned pausing the planned rollout could cost lives if Australia was hit with another wave of the virus. Also, Professor Peter McIntyre, former director of the National Centre for Immunisation Research and Surveillance, said it was wrong to claim the AstraZeneca vaccine is a second best option. This all comes, of course, as yesterday, there were no no local cases reported in New South Wales of COVID-19. That was for the first time in a week which is great news. But cases of the more transmissible UK strain within hotel quarantine have more than doubled from 6 to 13 since last Friday, and that is concerning. Health Minister Brad Hazard said he was confident the quarantine system can handle this new strain, known as B117, and he's shut down calls to move health hotels to regional areas. Queensland is considering using mining camps, though, as quarantines after the B117 strain was seemingly transmitted within Brisbane's Grand Chancellor Hotel. Ten New South Wales residents who quarantined at that hotel are all self-isolating again and being retested. All right, Marcus Paul in the morning. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind on this Friday, January 15. Our telephone number, 13 12 69. If you want to send a text, 0458 049 209. The 7 o'clock news is on the way for New South Wales, 6 o'clock in Queensland. Good morning. 2SM Sydney traffic. The M5, a busy bit moving traffic approaching Hammondville down towards the M5 East Tunnel. Will it be Road, Garland Road, an accident affecting traffic? Just be mindful of that. Allow extra travel time there. The right bridge, busy bit moving that run up towards Top Pride, Kellyville. Starting to pick up some busy traffic on Windsor Road, Memorial Avenue southbound. For Magic Millions Day on Gold Coast, Flemington and Rose Hill, from Cornellas to Quaddies, you'll get the best payout of all three tabs with top tote exotics from Sportsbet. Conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Afternoons with Brent Boltitude. Under the heading of Who Really Cares, Tony Abbott's daughter is going to have a baby. Frances Locke, she changed her name, obviously, when she got married. Frances Locke is going to have a baby. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Tony Abbott is going to be a grandfather. One of the fittest grandfathers, I can certainly say that. He will be one of the fit, and she's fit too, yeah, she's very fit. Absolutely. Weekday afternoons with Brent Boltitude on Sydney. Sydney's 2SM.
Danny's Seafood Restaurant offers everything you'd expect when dining out. A superb location, outstanding value, excellent service and an extensive menu catering for all tastes. Anytime is a good time for beautiful, fresh seafood. And if you haven't yet tried Danny's famous fish and chips, do it soon. Other popular choices include fresh lobster, oysters and crabs, as well as tender, juicy steaks and pastas. Danny's Seafood Restaurant, boasting spectacular water views over Botany Bay. Anzac Parade, La Perouse. in a heartbeat. HeartKids supports the eight Aussie babies born every day with congenital heart disease. Sydney's favourite weekend fishing show, High Tide. The no-take zones are going to be challenged. When these marine parks were established, there was no science behind the area that was just drawn on a map. It was literally a political deal for Greens' preferences in the lead-up to an election back in the car, Bob Carr days. Yep. Just as they did with national parks on land, they did the same thing on water with marine parks. Weekends from 4am on 2SM. G'day, Merv Hughes here. Summer is here, and that means two things. Our big quicks are steaming in on the pitch, and your car's aircon needs to be on top of its mark. Your off-stump will be blown away by the aircon service at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Their fully qualified mechanics will keep you cool all year with a comprehensive service on your car's aircon system, no matter what you drive. Book online today at repcoservice.com. Marcus Paul in the morning. Good morning, I'm Casa Shields. Queensland Health has denied reports of a possible COVID-19 protocol breach. The Courier-Mail reports a woman with the UK strain of the virus left quarantine in the Hotel Grand Chancellor in Brisbane to accompany her father to hospital. Both had allegedly been in isolation at the hotel. Queensland Health has responded to the report, saying both people wore full personal protective equipment for the visit and therefore no health protocols were breached. U.S. President Donald Trump will soon face a trial in the Senate. Yesterday, the House of Representatives voted to impeach him 232 votes to 197. He's the first president in American history to be impeached twice. A Senate trial to be held after he officially leaves office next Wednesday will now decide whether he's guilty of inciting insurrection after last week's riots on the Capitol building. If the trial is successful in convicting Trump, he will not be allowed to run for office again. Another ferry in the Manly fleet has been saved. The freshwater will remain in operation on weekends alongside its sister ship, the Collaroy. There was considerable pressure from the community to keep the historic ships running, as opposed to replacing the entire fleet. News Court reports the Narrabeen and Queenscliff ferries will be retired in the middle of the year and new Emerald-class vehicles will begin operation. 
Grants of up to $10,000 are available for local councils, small businesses and not-for-profit organisations to help get older people active and connected. $200,000 worth of grants are up for grabs to go towards programs and activities in this April's New South Wales Seniors Festival. Acting Minister for Seniors Jeff Lee says the grants would do a lot of good. We know during COVID it's been particularly tough for seniors with social isolation. All the research shows us that being active and socially engaged means we have a better health uh, and better style of living and that we want our community to join together and encourage all our seniors to get out and about and enjoy what we have to offer in New South Wales but in a COVID-safe method. Police are seeking public assistance to find a man wanted on an outstanding warrant in Sydney's east. 34-year-old Troy Manton is wanted on an outstanding conviction warrant in relation to break-and-enter offences. He's described as being of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander appearance, between 170 and 180 centimetres tall, of a medium build with short, dark, shaved hair and brown eyes. He's known to frequent the Maroubra area. Security is being ramped up in Uganda as counting gets underway. Election polls are officially closed, with 38-year-old pop star Bobby Wine up against 76-year-old Yauri Musumni. Dozens of people have died in the lead-up to the election. The internet has been blocked and lorries full of soldiers are patrolling the capital, Kampala. Huawei Chief Financial Officer Meng Wanzhou, whose in-house arrest in Vancouver, has been sent bullets in the mail. The alleged death threat was revealed on Wednesday by the company providing Miss Meng's security. She's facing charges of bank fraud and potentially causing HSBC to break US sanctions. Miss Meng has been fighting against her extradition to America, where she would stand trial. Updating sport, Australia has taken a huge hit ahead of their fourth and final test. Opener Will Pukowski has been ruled out of the match with a shoulder injury. He'll be replaced by Marcus Harris, who'll partner David Warner at the top of the order. The hosts and tourists are tied one all heading into the series decider at the Gabba later this morning. The Brisbane Heat are now fifth on the Big Bash League ladder. It comes after the Heat beat the Melbourne Renegades by five wickets overnight. The BBL action continues tonight with the Melbourne and stars hosting the Adelaide Strikers. Queensland is on the hunt for a new state of origin coach. Wayne Bennett has relinquished the team's coaching reins. He'll instead focus on South Sydney's 2021 Premiership campaign. And three-time Grand Slam champion Andy Murray could be a no-show at this year's Australian Open. In finance, the Dow Jones is up 40 points at 31,100 and one Australian dollar is buying 77.76 US cents. This is Super Network News. 2SM Sydney weather. Partly cloudy with a slight chance of showers and a possible thunderstorm. Winds are southerly, tending east to northeasterly. We're heading for top temperatures of 29 degrees in the city, 35 in the west. Looking further ahead, sunny Saturday, Sunday and Monday. At the moment in the city, it's 21, Bankstown 21, Richmond 21. That's the latest 2SM news. I'm Casa Shields. Now back to Marcus Paul in the morning on 2SM. Marcus Paul in the morning. New government data reveals 103 reportable assaults occur in our country's nursing homes each and every week. Now that's something to scream about. 
I took her to this particular home on a Thursday. On the Friday, I went up and had lunch with her, and then I got a phone call at 4 p.m. in the afternoon to say she's in an ambulance going to the hospital. So I shot up to the hospital and waited for the ambulance to bring her in. She was covered in bruises. Her wrists had, been, had got bruises, and her ankles, obviously, they've restrained her. What that darling went through, she was sexually assaulted. Two wrists were broken. Oh, there was numerous bruises. It was a dreadful thing. Until we have somebody in government with enough balls to turn this ship around, then unfortunately we're going to see horrific statistics like we've seen today. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right. Just gone six minutes after seven, after six in Queensland. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Look, the United Kingdom has now banned travel from several South American countries. They include Argentina, Brazil, Bolivia, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador and Peru. Travel from Portugal to the United Kingdom will also be suspended. However, exemptions will apply for the transport of essential goods. So there we go. The UK cracking down on its border control at the moment. Oh, this story. I was heartbroken when I heard the detail about this. A mother and her three children have been found dead at a property in Melbourne's northwest. 42-year-old Katie Peronovich and her three children were found dead in their Tullamarine home yesterday afternoon, with police unable to confirm the circumstances surrounding their deaths at this point. Miss Perenovich was described by neighbours as a lovely woman and very loving mother to her children, Claire, who's seven, Anna, who was five, and Matthew, God loving the little fella, only three. Police were alerted to the discovery of the bodies of the mother and her three children just after 12.30 yesterday after a man believed to be her husband, Tomislav Perinovich, who's 48, the children's father, called emergency services. Homicide police were investigating the incident and senior police yesterday said it was too soon to speculate about what had occurred inside the home on Burgess Street at Tullamarine. Now, when asked by reporters if Mr Perinovich was a suspect, officers declined to describe him as such. They would not rule out the possibility that, well, murder-suicide was being investigated as a possible cause of the deaths. Look, they say that he's a person of interest and assisting police with their inquiries... Now, Mr Perinovich was still helping police with their inquiries late last night and there was no comment on the nature of the injuries to the deceased at this point. Unbelievable. What an awful, awful start to the year. All right, meanwhile, um, I've got a note here from police. They're asking for our help to locate a man wanted for multiple alleged online fraud offences across New South Wales. Four warrants have been issued for the arrest of 51-year-old Joshua McIntosh. Now, he's described as being of Caucasian appearance, around 185 centimetres tall, with a muscular build and blue eyes. Police say he's known to frequent the eastern suburbs of Sydney, but he could also be in Newcastle, 
South Australia, Victoria or Queensland. By the sounds of it, the bloke could be absolutely anywhere. Anyway, if you can assist police and you know of this man, this Joshua McIntosh, of course, the telephone number for police, one 800 000. Now, we caught up with uh, Damien Kelly from Business New South Wales just after our 6.30 news. Uh, that'll be up later on our Marcus Paul in the Morning podcast, which, by the way, thank you for everyone who's been listening online to our podcasts. We're up on a number of platforms now. We're on Spotify, TuneIn, and, of course, on our website, 2smsupernetwork.com. All you need to do to listen to the show podcast, if you miss interviews and perhaps you want to listen back to it later... Just follow the link which we put up on our Facebook page um, and follow hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning for, of course, all of our social media. Anyway, we spoke to Damien. If you missed it, you can listen back on the potty. A new business survey reveals nearly a quarter of businesses in New South Wales are concerned about government support packages, including JobKeeper and also tax relief coming to an end. Even though the December Business Condition Survey found businesses were confident and positive for the first time since June 2018. That, of course, was all prior to the outbreak in the northern suburbs on the northern beaches of Sydney and further lockdowns as a result. Anyway, as I say, Damo uh, said that uh, it's going to be tough. And the other main concern about all of this, of course, is that vulnerable small businesses, around 23% of them, in New South Wales claim they're at a high risk of failure when support, including job seeker, tax relief, interest waivers and other measures come to an abrupt end very soon. It's 11 after 7. 2SM Sydney Traffic. Heavy uh, traffic Liverpool, the Hume Highway approaching Memorial Avenue in a southbound direction. Heavy traffic uh, Randwick at the moment. Frenchman's Road there at Avoca Street. That's attracting a lot of attention. All directions. Slow traffic Kellyville on Windsor Road just past Memorial Avenue southbound. Take better care of your sleep this new year. Come to 40 Wink Stock Take Sale and save up to 50% off store wide. But hurry, sale is on for a limited time. 40 Winks serious about sleep. That's the latest traffic on 2SM 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A new emergency warning is in place for a fire burning north of Perth. The blaze started on Saturday at Red Gully, prompting an emergency warning before the blaze was downgraded. And residents of Ocean Farms Estate are urged to leave their homes if they can. Whenever news breaks, we'll be there. Queensland police are searching for three people who crashed a stolen car on the Gold Coast over the weekend. On Sunday night, the stolen Holden Commodore hit a parked car along the Gold Coast Highway before running into a Mermaid Beach garden bed and flipping onto its side. A video taken by witnesses shows the trio crawling through the window of the vehicle before fleeing the scene. You can rely on Super Network News. Travellers are able to book international flights with Qantas. Flights will get off the ground in July this year to destinations including the US and the UK. The airline's planes have been grounded for months except for a small amount of repatriation flights. Rely on Super Network News. What's with A and N's with E? Supplements for you and me. Vitae Health Supplements are now available at leading chemists and health food stores nationwide. Ask for Arba Vitae at your favourite pharmacy. My family's been farming this land for generations and hopefully will for many more to come. Things aren't as easy to do on the farm as they once were and we hear of too many injuries, especially to older farmers. 
If you've been in the game as long as me, there are things you can do to make work easier and safer. The Great Idea Bank is a guide produced by older farmers for older farmers with practical tips that can help, whether you think you're old or not. For copies, visit farmsafe.org.au. You know, when it comes to building, why don't you consider the PAL Kit Home Alternative? With PAL, you can own a build or own a manage, and either way, you're going to save a lot of money. Let PAL put you in charge of your home building project and budget. Australia's most experienced and trusted kit home supplier for more than 50 years. That's PAL. Find out more at pwalkithomes.com.au or you can phone them 1800 024 912-1800-024-912 You're dumped! Make a date with Beaumont right now and get 20 to 50% off tiles. Bathroom, kitchen, laundry, floors and walls dumped by a massive 20 to 50%. Choose Beaumont and dump the prices. 2SM Super Network News. News. This is Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws on the Super Radio Network. Yeah, Lawsy will be back after the Australia Day public holiday. Um, Look, Macaulay Culkin... Remember him, the little bloke out of Home Alone, those uh, majorly successful movies from the 80s and 90s? Well, he says the Don, Donald Trump, who had a cameo in Home Alone, was it Home Alone 2? Yes, it was. Uh, Well, he's basically turning around saying that Donald Trump should be removed. I don't know how that's going to happen. How are they going to do that? I mean, yes, they might be able to remove it from platforms that are streaming it, but... I'd imagine millions of people around the world have DVD copies. Some may even have the old VHSs going around of Home Alone 2. Stop trying to erase history. I think that's ridiculous, to be honest. Uh, Macaulay Culkin and those who are calling from Donald Trump to be removed from that very successful movie after the Capitol siege. Well, I think, you know, there's probably far more things that you should be concerned about. Really? Goodness sake. Look, there are calls for country communities to speak out against chronic doctor shortages and the standard of health care in rural New South Wales before submissions to a parliamentary inquiry close. When do these submissions close? Well, today at five o'clock. So... We're urging anyone who hasn't yet made a submission to take the time today to share their story before close of business today. Make sure you do it. This all comes after the Health Minister, Brad Hazard, said telehealth could replace GPs in remote areas. I remember it very clearly. Mr Hazard told reporters it remains a challenge in Australia to get doctors into very small communities. The opportunities that have grown out of telehealth and virtual health are enormous, because what it means someone in a remote small town where there are no GPs, there are no other doctors, can actually have world-class specialists giving them the advice and service they need. Well, Shadow Minister for Rural Health, Kate Washington, who I'll catch up with a little later. In fact, I, the reason we played the Lawsy intro there is because we'll actually have Kate's on the Laws program after 9 o'clock this morning when we're going right around New South Wales and Australia. 
Okay, so anyway, Kate, who, by the way, is our hashtag koala warrior, but she's also the Shadow Minister for Rural Health. Kate says that these comments are worrying, and she's warning there are huge gaps telehealth can't cover. Even though it is amazing, and I agree uh, with it, it is. I mean, it does fill a void, but it can't be an ongoing replacement, if you like, for the real thing. Telehealth is amazing, but it should never replace actual doctors. And it doesn't solve the issue of staff shortages. It's not good enough. And country communities, regional areas in New South Wales, deserve so, so much better. Anyway, we'll talk more about that issue a little later on the program, just after nine o'clock with Kate Washington. She'll join us then. Maybe you've seen pictures over your um, social media screens on your television news and the newspaper of this racing pigeon that survived an extraordinary 13,000-kilometre Pacific Ocean crossing from the United States to Australia. What happened was the poor little thing took a wrong turn. Bill Laurie, you know, pigeon, Bill Laurie, he'd be devastated by this turn of events today because authorities are now considering this poor pigeon, poor pigeon, a quarantine risk. So what they're going to do, well, they're going to euthanise it. Really? Poor thing's just flowing 13,000 kilometres across the Pacific Ocean and what, we want to now euthanise it? Well, they say it is a quarantine risk. Kelvin Kelly Bird said yesterday he discovered the exhausted bird that arrived on his Melbourne a backyard porch on December 26 had disappeared from a race in the U.S. state of Oregon on October 29. That's how long this poor thing's been in the air for. Well, I would imagine he's had a few pit stops along the way. Experts suspect that the pigeon, which has now been named Joe, after U.S. President-elect Joe Biden, hitched a ride on a cargo ship. Oh, OK, so it didn't fly. Well, that's cheating. So this pigeon actually hitched a ride on a cargo ship to cross the ocean. Anyway, Joe's feet. Joe is the pigeon. All right, don't don't get lost here. Joe is the pigeon. Joe's feet has attracted the attention of the Australian media, but also of the notoriously strict Australian Quarantine and Inspection Service. Uh, they believe quarantine authorities are making inquiries. And they want to come and catch the bird. They say if it's from America, then they're concerned about bird diseases. Mm. Anyway, if it does pose a direct biosecurity risk to Australian bird life and our poultry industry, well, I guess we do need to be a little careful. I don't know, can't they test it? Why do we have to go around killing pigeons? Well, I mean, they didn't kill Pistol and Boo, I mean, just because this pigeon named Joe after Joe Biden isn't owned by Johnny Depp. Remember uh, Pistol and Boo? The two Yorkshire Terriers that were smuggled into the country by Hollywood star Johnny Depp and his wacko ex Amber Heard? Remember all that rubbish? 
They were faced with a 50-hour deadline to leave Australia because Barnaby was sharpening the knives. He wanted the things put down. And, look, I'm, I'm not making light of our, of our biosecurity laws. Absolutely, I'm not. But still, you know, the poor thing. Can't we put it on a, another cargo ship and send it back across to the ocean? Poor thing was in a race. Hello, James. How are you? Morning, Marcus. Oh, I'm good, mate. A bit, what, uh, a bit confused, though. Yeah, why? These quarantine guys want to uh, knock this pigeon off because yeah. it's migrated over here. <laughs> um, are they going to go turn around and all the migration birds and uh, things like that, are they going to knock them off as well? Because birds migrate from country to country. Of course they do. So we're going to knock them off. And then what about the whales that beach themselves? Oh, no, don't say them. They've, they've probably come up from the south or somewhere else. Well, that's we'll a really good point. Off. That's a really good point. I don't want to, uh, this newly named Pigeon Joe to be euthanised, do you? No. no. I don't like, unless, oh, I don't know, it could be a racing pigeon. And we don't. you don't like racing animals, do you? Well, yeah, pigeons are all right. At least they're not getting whipped to go faster. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Very clever. Ernie, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Just a quick question. Yes, Ernie. Uh, What are they going to do about all the migrating birds? This is a load of crap, mate. Have we got nothing better to do than chase a poor bloody pigeon? Yeah, well said. Well said. Ferns and everything else where I live, they're flying in and out of here on a daily basis, Nui. Well, you'll need to catch them and give them over to quarantine, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? There's only several million of them, so we're like, good luck with that, mate. Well, what, Thanks for taking the call. It's all right, buddy. What they're actually saying is, uh, you know, this racing pigeon actually is pretty slight on his feet, so quarantine officers may have a hard time of catching Joe, who's unlike the incoming US President Sleepy Joe. Nothing sleepy about this racing pigeon, that's for sure. Morning. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, Mark Latham. Okay, for the first time in 2021, we say Happy New Year to Mark Latham. Morning, mate. Morning, Marcus. Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. We've got one guarantee. It's bound to be a lot better than last year. Well, yes, let's hope so. Um, Although there's no guarantees. I mean, already, if you look overseas, even though, you know, here in Australia, we've done a a pretty good job of containing COVID-19. But America's gone to hell in a handbasket in the last couple of weeks. Well, they have politically, but on the health front... Uh, the vaccines are on their way, and, True, and, yeah. and that's bound to make this year uh, superior to last year. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be rollouts. Uh, there'll be some success. You know, there's obviously a debate about that, but yep. we couldn't do any worse than 2020, could we? It was uh, good riddance, good riddance on New Year's Eve. No, very true, mate, very true. Did you have a relaxing break? Did you manage to get away anywhere or just relax at least with the family? Well, you really can't get away, can you? You take the risk. Uh, you know, my wife is from Western Australia and would love yeah. to, you know, see her elderly parents uh, at Christmas time, but that's not possible. They've sort of um, become their own separate country with the border lockdown. So it's hard on people to move around. You take the risk, you book an airline ticket or even accommodation and it can be cancelled because of uh, a COVID scare. So, you know, uh, quite... Christmas and New Year for me. I'm not one for lying around on the beach. I've actually been catching up on some good research projects for the parliamentary year ahead. Wonderful. Um, Never a dull moment, and it will be interesting here in New South Wales. Federally, uh, I'll get your opinion on this. 
Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion. I spoke to Anthony Albanese earlier this week and Labor are on an election footing. Perhaps Prime Minister Scott Morrison may go early. Do you, can you see federally an election later this year, perhaps? Well, out of COVID, there's a general rule that incumbents are massively advantaged. If they could re-elect the Palaszczuk government in Queensland, they'd re-elect anyone. So if you're in government, the public seems to have uh, flocked to you, yeah. uh, rightly or wrongly. So, you know, there's another golden rule in politics that um, they call elections when they think they can win. Yes. And you'd have to say, Scott Morrison, if he went in December, it would be less than six months early mm. and um, would be seen as justified at, at the end of the, the, the COVID-type period. And I think he's got Albanese on the rack. So if he thinks he can win, yeah... You'll go early, you know, elsewhere we have fixed election dates, but federally the Prime Minister determines the date. Yep. And if he's got Liberal Party polling saying he's a shoe-in, well, I think we will have an election later this year. All right, now, you're asking the question, should we stop overseas travellers to Australia? Uh, the news of this morning that Andy Murray, uh, one of the world's top tennis stars, still wants to come to Melbourne to the Australian Open despite testing positive to COVID-19. There's another player already on the way who has tested positive to COVID. I mean, for goodness sake, it's like we're importing the stuff now. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean... Uh, the harsh end of the lockdowns and the restrictions are felt by ordinary Australians, particularly business people and workers who um, uh, could be put out of business in this tough time. And the real issue here is that no state government anywhere in the Commonwealth has been able to provide 100% foolproof hotel quarantine. Whether you're talking about the Northern Beaches cluster in Sydney or the Barala one, the problem now in Brisbane or the disaster we had in Victoria... Uh, it's the virus leaking out of hotel quarantine. So if we can't stop that, and that seems to be the evidence, state governments haven't got the systems to uh, stop it entirely, the best thing you can do is minimise the number of people actually having to go into hotel quarantine. So I think this is a real concern, and particularly uh, the attempt a few months ago by the New South Wales government and news today, the Victorian government wants to bring tens of thousands of overseas students yeah. back to Australian universities. Now, what sort of insanity is this? You can't do that until we've got a 100% COVID safety guarantee. Well, that's right. And as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, once the vaccine, whatever it ends up being, is available, then, only then, I think, should we consider allowing students back into our universities and obviously um, sports stars into the country to compete in major events because it, it, it does... Uh, stink of hypocrisy. I mean, you mentioned as well, you and your family can't visit family members in WA. I couldn't get up to the Gold Coast to visit dear old dad in a nursing home at Burley again because of another lockdown by Palaszczuk. Uh, but it seems cricketers can travel anywhere around the country. And of course, if you want to play tennis at the Australian Open, in you come, COVID or not. Well, I think we should suspend the overseas travellers coming to Australia uh, with an eye to the fact that perhaps in a few months' time they can come here w with a vaccination. If they've been successfully vaccinated, yeah. sure. So mm -hmm. why are we taking the, the risk now? Why would there be any talk of bringing tens of thousands of university students here, uh, talk of um, uh, these tennis players uh, and the reality of these uh, tennis players and others when the vaccines are not that far away? Um, Andy Murray's from the UK. They've got uh, vaccines. Yep. Uh, being distributed in the UK. Surely he should be vaccinated before he comes into Australia and be COVID clear. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're throwing away 
our massive advantage as an island state. We're surrounded by water, yep. unlike so many other countries. That's a great blocker against COVID. Uh, why waste it? Very true. Uh, look, the impeachment of Donald Trump and uh, the social media censorship and regulation, uh, I'm one for free speech. I disagree with those who have called for a permanent ban on Donald Trump. I think it sets a dangerous precedent, Mark. Well, it's like these private social media companies now are a new arm of government, unelected, unaccountable, deciding what's acceptable speech, what's unacceptable speech. And if they can ban the President of the United States, whether they like him or not, what hope do the powerless people in society have? True. I mean, we shouldn't have unelected arbiters on what's acceptable and unacceptable speech. Uh, This is all supposed to be under the banner of democratic values. I've never seen anything more undemocratic than uh, saying that the elected president's words can't be heard in a certain forum. And, and Marcus, incredibly, there's a whole bunch of journalists, so-called journalists, cheering this on. Journalists who are supposed to be in the business of reporting what people say in different forums want those forums to be narrow. The journalists are sort of putting themselves out of work uh, against these social media behemoths. So, you know, the whole thing is way out of control. We really do need free speech. I've read the transcript of what Trump said that day before the imbeciles stormed the Capitol. Trump told them to march down Pennsylvania Avenue and cheer on the congressman who was supporting him. That's it. Now, if you're going to get kicked off Twitter for that, Mm. uh, you know, I was in the federal parliament in 1996 when there was a storming of the building by unionists protesting against the 1996 uh, Costello budget. Nobody blamed Kim Beasley, in whose name the protest was held, and he made a speech about the wrongs of the budget. Well... You know, things have just got way out of control where elected people are being banned uh, by the unelected. Yeah. Look, uh, I can understand that if things are at a a point whereby uh, it's out of control and maybe um, social media giants who can run their business any way they like, but I think they're, uh, you know, excluding a lot of people if they ban people like Donald Trump with nearly 60 million followers. But, I mean, even a short-term 48 or 24-hour ban might have been appropriate given the unrest in the Capitol at the time, but even some believe that would have gone too far. Well, what happened at the Capitol building was a disgrace and no form of political violence is ever acceptable. But those same congressmen, the majority of them, sat there twiddling their thumbs while Black Lives Matters burned down city centres and looted shops and vandalised entire cities last year. They did nothing about it, and, and they're upset now only because it happened to them. Well, if you don't want it to happen to you, you better do something about uh, the vandals who are out there in other places, in other cities. What about the small business people in the United States who had their shops broken into and destroyed? Absolutely. No, they, these congressmen only got upset about it when it happened directly to them. Well, that's and that right. points to a double standard as well. None of it is acceptable. It all should have been condemned. The, all the vandals and looters and rioters should have been arrested from 18 months ago. It's almost as if it's a big show for television. I'm sick to death of seeing it, to be perfectly honest. Mark, always good to chat. Let's uh, let's continue our conversation in 2021. Thank you for being a part of the program, mate. A pleasure. Thanks, Mark. All, All the, the best. best. Okay, mate, there he is, Mark Latham from One Nation, New South Wales. 13 12 69, my telephone number. I've got some emails. I'll get through most of them in just a moment or two, but I just want to uh, start with this one from Mark. Mark sent me a couple of jokes. 
Uh, the zoo one I might put aside. We've all heard of the shit zoo joke. I visited a zoo where it only had one animal in it. Yes, it was a shit zoo. Uh, but this one is more timely given Joe the pigeon is facing uh, the pigeon um, rainbow because Australian authorities are looking to euthanise this poor bird which hitched a ride on a cargo ship to Australia, got a little lost during its visit. But I like this from Mike. G'day, Marcus. I had a homing pigeon. I sold the bloody thing on eBay 19 times. (laughs) Oriole and free swim. That's called Come Up for Air. Marcus Paul in the morning. Cole is on the open line, 13 12 69 at 7 to 8. Hello, Cole. How you going, mate? All right, thank you, buddy. Well, I was just saying, going to be quick, mate. They'd have to change the name of that pigeon to a different name. (laughs) <laughs> Only because if the pigeon come in by plane, he would have had a fortnight's buddy rest in a, in a, in a motel with all these birds that he could eat. Well, that's true. Very good. Yeah. I love it. The show yeah. has gone to the birds this morning, I think, Cole. Thank you, buddy. Great stuff. Look, a shortage of workers has created an unofficial bidding war between farmers and contractors for shearing crews. Border restrictions and drought-breaking rains are said to have created a skills crisis in industry. The minimum pay rate is just over $3 a head to shear a standard flock uh, or flo- standard or a flock sheep. Really? 3 bucks a head? Is that what you get for shearing a sheep? Anyway, some farming enterprises are now paying shearers between 4 and $5 a head as farmers fall behind in their shearing program. There we go. Click go the shears, boys. If you want to go out to the country and earn a quid, you don't have to pick fruit. You just need to be pretty good with a razor. Or a sh- what do they call those things? I suppose it's, a, it's an electric razor. Scruff, I reckon maybe... We could have a crack at your beard, and if I, maybe I can do that. We can set a challenge next week. How much do you reckon we get for your head? If we're getting, you know, three to five bucks a head for shearing a sheep, I wonder what we get for you. <laughs> uh, looking at that scruffy beard, I'd be asking for at least ten bucks for that head. Thirteen twelve sixty nine, the telephone number. Uh, all right. Police are uh, appealing for our help to locate a man wanted for multiple alleged online fraud offences. This is this 51-year-old Joshua McIntosh. Uh, Police say that he's known to frequent the eastern suburbs of Sydney. If you could help there, one three hundred triple three triple zero. And well done to police up there at Taree as well. Um, a 24-year-old Maureen man was charged with domestic violence offences in Taree yesterday. Uh, this bloke was originally before the courts. He was given conditional bail. Part of those conditions were that he was not to approach the victim of his alleged offences in any way, unless through legal reps, you know, the usual thing. But yesterday, in the morning, police were called to a St Vincent Street Taree address. They spoke to the occupier of these premises and sought permission to search the joint. Um, In their search, they located this bloke hiding in a bedroom cupboard. He was immediately arrested and then taken to Tari Police Station, charged with contravening his AVO, two breaches of bail 
He was refused bail again and will be now at Tari Local Court this morning. By the way, uh, for our listeners in regional New South Wales, don't forget today is the final day. You can send your submission through as we try as best we can to get the state government to do a better job of looking after regional hospitals. There are calls for country communities to speak out against the chronic doctor shortages and the standard of healthcare in regional and rural New South Wales before submissions to a parliamentary inquiry close. Well, those submissions close today at 5pm. So anyone who hasn't yet made a submission who would like to, if you've got a really, you know, awful story, these are important stories that need to be heard before a parliamentary inquiry, please uh, follow the links on our Facebook page. News next, 8 o'clock. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Could you imagine how they'd be carrying on down the other station if it was the other way around? They'd just be going on and on and on. What do down the road is say something that's right in front of them and go... <laughs> the guy they've got on in the morning at the moment, I think he's on air at the moment, Mark Levy, doesn't... I'm waiting for Mark to, in one of his rants, in one of his pro-LNP rants, to basically, after he's, you know, he's praised uh, the Premier for the 50th time that morning... And there she goes. She's down the sideline. She puts the pass inside. Dominic Perrottet can do nothing wrong. He's wonderful the way he's looked after Icare. He's flicked the ball back on the inside. And to finish it off, Matt Keane under the posts. This is Mark Levy. Marcus Paul in the morning. Welcome back to the program. Now, after 9 o'clock in just over an hour's time, 8 o'clock Queensland, when we're on for the law show, uh, we will be speaking to the New South Wales Minister, Shadow Minister, I should say. I'd love to speak to the Health Minister. Anyway, the Shadow Minister for Rural Health, Kate Washington. Now, of course, this comes as this parliamentary inquiry uh, ends its call date for submissions. Yeah, you've heard me go on about this now for for weeks, if not months on end, and it's important because we want to have adequate resources in regional and, and country New South Wales areas. I mean, the concern is that the Health Minister, Brad Hazard, is looking to increase the use of telehealth services to perhaps replace general practitioners in remote towns. Now, I have a concern about this. If we're going to do everything via Skype and all the rest of it, then uh, we're going to essentially see no doctors in regional and country New South Wales. And that, for me, is a major, major concern. Anyway, if you want to have your say on that, give us a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. But we will talk, as I say, to the opposition's health spokesperson, Kate Washington, who, by the way, is one of our hashtag warriors on Marcus Paul in the morning. She's our koala warrior. Maybe we should also call her our health warrior. Okay, uh, eight minutes after eight. We're all good in here, guys. Everything's all set up there, Scruff. Good deal. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren. Well, we've been very lucky this morning. 
See, Christina is normally in Canberra, but of course with border closures, etc. She's uh, been in Sydney for the last couple of weeks, an extended time with the family, etc., which has been fantastic. And also, importantly... We get to see her each and every morning, don't we, Scruff? Are you going to do... Uh, we'll do a little video today of Christina so um, our uh, our listeners can see her in action. She's a great broadcaster. I'm going to really embarrass her now. You sure you don't want to stay, Christina? You can, you know, we can put you up for a, a few more, I don't know, for the rest of the year if you like, so you can stay in Sydney. Yes? Maybe I should move into one of those 11 local government areas that are still banned. Really? <laughs> okay, well, we can organise that as well. But see, the good thing about you being here as well is that quite often before I cross to you, when you're in Canberra, I've got David, our daggy joke teller, our daggy dad joke teller, and quite often you're left with a little bit of a giggle before you come on. But now I actually get to tell you one of my really good daggy dad jokes in person. So are you ready? Yeah, I guess. So what do you mean you guess? (laughs) How long, Christina, does it take to repair hearing aids, do you think? How long? Well, I don't know. I mean, I sent mine to be repaired three weeks ago and I still haven't heard a bloody thing. (laughs) All right, at 12 minutes, uh, sorry, 10 minutes after 8, after 7 in Queensland, let's get into the serious stuff now this morning. Health Minister Greg Hunt has confirmed the government is pursuing herd immunity in relation to COVID-19. What can you tell us about this? So yesterday we spoke about the questions over the effectiveness of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is Mm. the candidate we have the most doses of, 50 million doses. And uh, one of the key concerns is whether the AstraZeneca vaccine will help the Australian population achieve uh, herd immunity Mm. uh, because some of its test results uh, show that it may only be 62% effective. It could be more effective than that, but that's some test results have shown. So Health Minister Greg Hunt uh, does say that the government is still pursuing this goal of herd immunity, uh, but it looks like it's still kind of figuring out how to do that. So there was was a suggestion that CSL, which is the pharmaceutical company which is making AstraZeneca in Melbourne, uh, it, there was a suggestion uh, about whether it could switch to production of the Novavax vaccine instead. Yeah. Uh, but CSL says it can't make both at the same time. So that kind of cements the plan for a widespread rollout of AstraZeneca to most of the population. And there will still be that limited rollout of Pfizer to around 5 million people, which will likely go to those who are on the front lines uh, or the elderly, uh, those who need it most, basically. And, uh, you know, don't forget that Pfizer will still be making more vaccines towards the end of the year and so on. It's just about this first early rollout at the start of this year. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg's continued his fight against social media giants. He's now calling on Google to pay for news content instead of just simply blocking it. Yes, so I don't know if you've noticed this, but I certainly have. I noticed it for the first time yesterday. Uh, when you try to search certain news companies on Google, uh, it's not showing you it. Uh, the link to the website as the first result, yes. uh, as it usually does. So mm-hmm. Google has been intermittently hiding those links. And uh, the tech giant is doing this as a sort of a reaction to the government's media code. So that's the code that the uh, government has put forward as a proposal to sort of force Google and Facebook and all these tech companies to pay for Australian news uh, content and the government says that's about you know leveling the playing field uh, by sharing uh, advertising revenue so that's currently before a senate committee that legislation uh, google rejected this code sort of wholeheartedly last month and that's even after being offered some significant compromises and consultation periods so google says it's hiding these links now because it's sort of experimenting to measure the impact of news businesses and google search on each other and it says this experiment will end early next month but it's certainly trying to sort of 
throw its weight around. Yeah. But the treasurer says that, you know, it shouldn't be trying to do these experiments. It should just pay for the content instead. Yeah, um, there, there's no doubt that Google are playing hardball um, because of the government's proposal to make them pay. And that's why they're so-called experimenting with their, uh, what do they call it, the... Uh, when they, search results. Yeah, or, search yes. results, their algorithms, that's yeah, the word I was exactly. looking for. Um, there's no doubt they're, they're playing hardball. Look, there are calls for an independent investigation into the way freedom of information requests are processed. So the Australian Conservation Foundation has carried out an audit of freedom of information outcomes uh, for specifically environment-related information over five years, and it's found just sort of overall uh, the system isn't really operating efficiently. It says it's not transparent and it's increasing slow and costly. So over that five-year period, the rates at which requests were refused doubled from 12 to 25 percent. The number of overdue requests is at 60 yeah. percent, and uh, costs for environment-related requests was double the average. And then cabinet secrecy was also used in ex- as an exemption uh, at a far higher rate to deny sort of freedom of information material. So the use of that has more than quadrupled in the five years, that five-year period that they've been uh, analysing the system. So the ACF is making the point that it thinks the system is being used as a tool for denying um, access to information, basically. And we spoke to Jolene Albert this morning, and uh, this is what she had to say. Public resources that are being managed, um, and these public resources are really the wealth of our nation and, and critical to a healthy planet. So it's essential that the public has transparency over how these decisions about our environment are being made to, to have democratic accountability that they're being made properly. There you go. So basically, they just want a, a thorough system of oh, a thorough investigation of how the FOI system is operating. Well, I agree, um, and it absolutely needs to be as transparent as possible. Christina, um, that's it. That's it. When when do you head to Canberra this weekend? Oh, so boy, back okay. home. Yeah, back home. All <laughs> right. Well, thank you for being a part of the program here in Sydney this week. We look forward to chatting to you uh, back in the capital on Monday, OK? Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, Christina in the capital here in Sydney uh, for our last time this morning. Unless have we still got Andrew Barr's telephone number, we can maybe still... No, we'll try. We've tried. We've tried to keep her here, but to no one. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Broadcasting 101, Marcus, remember to turn the microphone off. All right. Oh, dear. Look, instead of a burger, a driver got the barrel of a gun pointed square between his eyes. Did you see this? What an incredible uh, story. This happened at Macca's drive-thru in Sydney's southwestern suburb of Eaglevale, during a terrifying carjacking. It was caught by security cameras back on December 20, but it's now been released by New South Wales Police in a bid to find the gunman. Now, the CCTV shows the offender wearing military camouflage, goggles and armed with a pistol. He approached a 32-year-old man in an orange Hyundai Getz at Macca's at Eaglevale at around 1.30 in the morning. This is back on December 20. Now, police said the attacker forced the driver out of the car at gunpoint before fleeing the scene in the vehicle and driving toward Dolomite Place. <laughs> a Hyundai gets. Look, he obviously wasn't trying to get anywhere in a hurry. Those things are like lawnmowers on steroids. But anyway, that's beside the point. The distraught driver 
alerted staff from the restaurant who contacted police. The man was not injured in the incident, but the video is there. I wonder whether you've seen it. Uh, if you have, uh, I mean, it's terrifying, so, like something out of the movies. Anyway, later that morning at around 10 to 3, the Hyundai Getz was located at Eagle Farm Reserve at Eagle Vale, so he didn't drive it very far. The car was seized for forensic examination, but Campbelltown police officers are asking anybody with any information to help out. one 800 000 the number... We know yesterday that New South Wales celebrated uh, a f- you know their first day of no new cases of COVID-19 since the start of 2021, since early January. Hopefully, we'll be looking at a similar result today. Of course, as that news breaks, we'll bring it to you here on Marcus. If you want to send an email to the program, you can do that. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Diana says regarding telehealth, Marcus, in my experience with telehealth, if you did not give them 10 days' notice, they charge you the full amount for the appointment, in my case being $160. Well, yes, that is a bit of a trap. I mean, a lot of people that have used telehealth, as we generally do, I mean, you don't know 10 days in advance that you're going to be sick, do you? And that's a really good point. You do not know in advance that you're not going to be well. Anyway, Diana says they don't mention this on the website. They do, however, mention about rebooking the appointment. And in my case, that was not possible at the time. Unfortunately, um, I do have proof of this, but I can't get my hands on the invoice. All right, well, that's something that uh, I will speak to Kate Washington about, the Shadow Minister for Rural Health, after 9 o'clock this morning. Yeah, so really, if you don't give them 10 days' notice, you get charged the full amount for the appointments. And in my emailer's case, 160 bucks. Uh, this one, uh, in fact, I got a couple of emails in relation to Joe, the racing pigeon. By the way, I see that there's now a campaign that's up and running. We might share it just for, you know, just for fun. Actually, not for fun. It's quite serious. I don't want this racing pigeon. Joe, named after the incoming US president uh, to be euthanized by Australian quarantine officers. Justice for Joe, battle to save the racing pigeon. If if you don't know the story, it's a wayward US pigeon that maybe hitched a ride on a container carrier after it got lost during a United States pigeon race. It ended up in a Melbourne man's backyard. And of course, yesterday the story was, you know, making news around the country as a, a bit of fun, but the fun police are out. That is, quarantine officers who say that this bird could very well be bringing with it, I don't know, some kind of bird disease that could be dangerous to our biodiversity. Uh, Look, and I'm not for one minute saying it's not. Um, You know, we of course, we need to take our biodiversity laws extremely seriously, and we do. But as many callers and emailers have said to me this morning, what about migrating birds? I mean... (laughs) Do we have Border Patrol sitting on every cliff, pulling up every bird as it flies in? Hang on. You need to be tested for something. (laughs) Anyway, Barry. Barry says, another Joe caught cheating? Surely not. Well, look, if the bird got lost and it ended up on a container carrier, I don't know whether it was cheating, Barry. It's obviously lost. It lost the pigeon race and it's lost here in Australia. 
Harry, meanwhile, says, so quarantine stuff up with people coming here with COVID. You know, we're allowing tennis stars with COVID into the country. Andrew, Andy Murray has tested positive to COVID-19. He also wants to come and play tennis at the Oz Open. We'll allow all that to happen. We had the Ruby Princess debacle. But they want us to think they're being tough on COVID and quarantine by taking it out on one poor pigeon. Oh, Russell Crowe. All the best Kiwis are Australians. She's got to, she's got to be She, just in case you wondered, that song, of course, she's got to be loved. I think it's mentioned about 5,000 times in the tune, but I do like it. Uh, look, a bizarre story has just uh, landed in my inbox. Well, when I say bizarre, it's a little bit strange. Police are asking for our help to find the parents of a toddler wearing Bluey the dog pyjamas, aged around two, that's just turned up at somebody's house this morning in Albury. This little one, unaccompanied, and at 4.30 in the morning. So police have started a search for the boy's parents, but they haven't located him yet. The boy's currently being looked after by officers while they conduct their inquiries. He's Caucasian, aged around two. Blue eyes, blonde hair, wearing Bluey the dog pyjamas, for God's sake. What's a, an unaccompanied two-year-old doing out at 4.30 in the morning unless he got up and Went for a wander. Stranger things have happened, of course. Let's hope mum and dad find out. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. The police minister of New South Wales, David Elliott. I'm sick of these sooks who seem to think that you know putting on a mask is either difficult or uh, or an infringement. It's not. This is you know we're a nation of, of soldiers. We're Anzacs. We're you know we, we every year we take <laughs> yep. on the blue the, the, the All Blacks on the rugby pitch. But, you know we built the Snowy Mountain scheme. We're, I, I can't believe that there is an Australian 2021 who, who, who seems to think that uh, it's too difficult to wear a mask out in public. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to become a habit. That has and it's, and it's a massive change in our lifestyle, in our culture, but it's not one that's going to be around forever. No, it's and it's not. certainly not one that's, that's, that's going to, you know, that, that it's costing people uh, their lives. The, the, the reality is that if you don't wear it, you're probably going to cost a lot. It's not going to hurt you to put it on. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, well, here's a community service announcement from yours truly, Marcus Paul in the morning at 21 minutes to nine. Not only should you be wearing a mask, you should also uh, wear a condom. Or maybe you're an ecosexual. There are concerns about the environmental impact of plastic condoms leading to some so-called ecosexuals to go franger-free. What are you laughing at out there, Scruff? Surely the word Frank has been mentioned on 2SM before. Well, now it has. Because the problem is, it's contributing to a concerning spike in sexually transmitted illnesses. Commitment to a plastic-free lifestyle is pushing some environmentally aware Australians to give the Franger the flick. Do you want me to stop saying Franger, do you? Okay. Commitment to a plastic-free lifestyle is pushing some environmentally aware Australians to give condoms a miss in the bedroom, as most are made from non-biodegradable materials and covered in chemicals. Well, look, Justin and I have made a decision this morning. We're going to start producing plastic-free prophylactics. 
aren't we, Scruff? Plastic-free frangers. That's what Justin and I will be putting onto the market. <laughs> uh, can somebody save me? Anna, can we talk about pigeons, perhaps? Hello, Anna. <laughs> Good morning, Marcus. Good morning. Marcus, look, I was just wondering, why don't you do an online survey mm-hmm. to keep Joe alive? Because, you know, I think he's a smart little bird. He's came all that way. Yep. And, and they could put another mate in, into uh, quarantine with the bird mm. and just see if it, co- you know, can con- con- what it contracts anything. Um, you know, contacts, I mean. Yeah, but I know anyhow, what you, mean. you know, I think Joe looked a sturdy little bird from looking at him in the paper. Mm. And uh, if he's healthy and they haven't found anything wrong with him, well, I think he should be given the chance to, um, you know, keep him in quarantine for a while, give him a mate and keep an eye on them and see how they go. I agree. Let's save Joe, shall we? Save Joe, the wayward uh, pigeon. Yeah. Named after Sleepy Joe. Joe oh, Biden. Yes. yes. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Bye-bye. Marie, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. Hello. And to your listeners. Thank you. Hope you're feeling well. Having fun. Thank you. Marcus, mm. maybe circumcisions is a, a subject for another day. But having said that, having said that, I'm concerned as a lot of nanas and mums would be if it was just an isolated incident mm. or why didn't they name the nursery if, if a concerned mum found her toddler in a soiled nappy in a locked room in a nursery? Yes. Where were the staff? Yeah, true. Very true. Very true. Uh, this... So another day we can talk about circumcisions? <laughs> okay. Another day. Okay. Oh, she's gone. What happened? What happened, Marie? You, I don't know. You must have pressed the wrong button. Uh, all right. Um, let's now go to Nada. Good morning, Nada. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. Thanks for taking my call. I just oh. wanted to welcome you back. Oh, thanks. Very um, it's very kind. Yeah. And and wish you and all the listeners and everyone a happy new year. I hope it's a better one for all. Absolutely. And, and yeah, welcome back. I'm so enjoying listening in. And you're doing a great job filling in for Mr. Laws. And I've been continuing listening to that. But, um, yeah, so uh, all right, Nada. that's all I want to do. Wish everyone a happy new year, you included. Thank you, sweetheart. Keep I appreciate it. Work. Thanks, Keep Nada. Work. Bye-bye Thanks, now. Marcus. See ya. Here's a little more on this story that I mentioned just a few moments ago before the news. Uh, Police are asking for help to find the parents of a toddler found unaccompanied in Albury this morning. I've got a picture of this little bloke now. He was wearing pyjamas with Louie the dog on them. But at around 4.30 this morning, officers from Murray River Police District were called to a house on Waratah Street in West Albury after reports this little bloke had arrived at their front doorstep unaccompanied. They started to search for the boy's parents, but they haven't yet located them. The boy's currently being looked after by police while officers conduct their inquiries. He's a little cutie, aged around two, blue eyes, blonde hair, and wearing bluey the dog pyjamas. Question is, where the heck is mum and dad? All right, welcome back. Uh, 14 minutes away from nine. You there, George? Yes, I am. Hey, George. How are you, mate? Uh, good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. What's on your mind? Uh, just in regard to the uh, mask. I know there's a lot of uh, talk out there in regard to the mask situation. Should should I wear one? Should I not wear one? Yes. Um, I mean, my understanding, look, we, we have a federal law, which is the Biosecurity Act 2015, Yep. which, which stipulates that, you know, Section 88 actually it is, but a biosecurity officer, if they deem that you're sick, they do a test. But in terms of that, you've got to fill out a form 
then they do a test. And if they do deem that you are sick, then you can wear some sort of material like a mask. I mean, we can't just walk around thinking that everyone's sick. Well, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's just my argument. I mean, we you argue and, you know, you have people on both sides arguing against each other. It's like, well, look, we are are a country of laws and we, we do have a federal act. Yep. which stipulates yep. that we're going to have a balanced view, not just one extreme to the other. No, well said. Well said, mate. All right, great call. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Hello, Dave. How are you, mate? What goes up when the rain comes down? Hang on. What goes up when the rain comes down? What? An umbrella. <laughs> oh, Dave. Thanks, buddy. 13 12 69, the telephone number. I've got a better one from Michael. Did you hear about the outraged Greens leader who says rib condoms are a rip-off. She said they don't even taste like ribs and she wants an inquiry. Oh, that's not good, no. That's a little naughty. Um, all right, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Another break before I get into all sorts of trouble. All right, I've got a note here um, regarding a power outage on the Mid-North Coast. Uh, so for listeners around Warhope, King Creek and Lake Innes, uh, just over 500 or so homes are without power. In fact, uh, a number of people have woken up with no power this morning. Crews are apparently working on restoring it as soon as possible, but there's no estimated time of the power being restored to these areas as yet. So a power outage on the mid-north coast for Warhope, King Creek, Lake Innes. Uh, And at this stage, we don't have an ETA on when things will be fixed. A note here from uh, Matthew, another Matt. Marcus, I really enjoyed hearing this. Oh, okay, I'm with you. You want me to replay it, do you? You enjoyed hearing David Attenborough struggling with social media. Okay. Hello, fellow foodies. I'm David Attenborough, sharing with you this delicious meal, a celebration of Earth's bounty from a wonderful restaurant near the... You take the picture before you eat the food, David. Social media! I'm David Attenborough, sitting in my own garden. By pure chance, a miracle of nature is happening right in front of me. A butterfly about to emerge from chrysalis. And thanks to Instagram, I can share it with the... Why is this thing buzzing and flashing? Did you remember to charge your phone? No, I didn't remember to... I'm David Attenborough. (laughs) (laughs) Lately, I've had a few social media fails. And I'm afraid I've used some rather uncouth language for which I apologise. From now on, I promise to laugh at these little failures... Like a grown man should. Oh, no one can see you unless you flip the camera. <laughs> Silly me. I've cocked it up again. Ah, there. Look, you can finally see me as I smash this stupid <laughs> piece of... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marcus Paul in the morning. This is Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws on the Super Radio Network.
Okay, good morning and welcome to the program around Australia. It's great to have your company, Marcus Paul, in the morning. Tell me what's on your mind. A number of ways of doing it. We prefer you call. It is a talkback program, the John Laws Morning Show. Lawsy back, of course, after the Australia Day holiday. The number to call, 13 1269, okay, 131269. The Fortress text number is open 0458 049 209. Once again, 0458-049-209. And maybe you'd like to send us an email. Well, you can do that directly to the studio here, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com on this Friday, January 15, 2021. Welcome to the program, and as we go to where, some breaking news now in uh, regional Victoria at a place near uh, Glenorchy, uh, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, uh, G-L-E-N-O-R-C-H-Y, there's been an earthquake, a 3.7 magnitude earthquake in regional Victoria this morning. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have your say. Look, New South Wales yesterday recorded no new local cases of coronavirus after more than 20,000 people came forward for testing. It's a great result. 20,000 people. What is alarming, though, is that the number of highly contagious mutant strain of the virus that's been found in the state's hotel quarantine system Cases of international strain have more than doubled from 6 to 13 in the previous week. Let's just hope that it doesn't make its way out of the hotels. There are concerns, of course, uh, with the impending Australian Open down in Victoria that we could well be importing more coronavirus into our country. American tennis professional Tennis Sandgren has said on Twitter that he was not contagious. Uh, This is despite a a call for this bloke who's on his way on an aircraft, apparently, toward Australia. He tested positive for COVID-19, but it was back in November. That's why he was allowed to board a chartered flight to Melbourne for the Australian Open. But of greater concern, I think, is the fact that Andy Murray, who's one of the world's leading tennis players, the Brit, well, he's also tested positive to COVID-19, but he still wants to come to Australia to play in the Australian Open down there in Melbourne. Now, I don't think it's appropriate, to be perfectly honest. He says he wants to go into quarantine, etc., but... I don't know. What do you make of it? Give me a call, 13 12 69. I, I don't even know why the Oz Tennis Open is still going ahead. Mind you, the cricket test is going ahead today in Brisbane. So what's good for the goose? 
All right, we'll get to the cricket in a moment, but what else is making news? Well, Federal Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has lashed out at Google after it revealed it intentionally blocked some Australian news websites, seemingly in response to the government's demands that Google pays for Australian news content. There's no doubt that the social media giant Google are now playing hardball with the Australian government and Frydenberg blasted the search engine, demanding it pays up rather than block the contents. Uh, By the way, the illusionist Siegfried, you remember Siegfried and Roy, uh, the two that used to get up on stage and do their magic with tigers? Well, apparently Siegfried has died. Just uh, getting that news coming through now. Siegfried from Siegfried and Roy. In Melbourne, and there is this absolutely devastating news that a mother and her three young children were found dead inside their Tullamarine home. I mean, there are no words, really. What an incredibly unbelievable tragedy. And what's happening here is that police are speaking to uh, the father of the children, but he is not a suspect. He's only a person of interest at this point. But three beautiful young children, aged five, seven, and I think nine, are involved, and mum, all deceased. We don't know how they died at this stage. But imagine just for a moment how the community around there are going to feel after this, let alone the survivors in the family. I mean, it's heart-wrenching. What an awful, awful start to 2021. Can't say too much about it at this point, of course, because a police investigation is ongoing and the last thing we want to do is blame anybody for it. We need to be a little careful and measured in our comments. But however... It really is a major concern that we have three children, all under the age of 10, and their mum found dead inside a Tullamarine home in Melbourne. All right, an heroic New South Wales police officer, Senior Constable Kelly Foster, has been farewelled after she tragically drowned while trying to save the life of another woman in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, this was that canyoning accident. Miss Foster has been awarded the Commissioner's Valour Award, the National Police Service Medal, the National Medal and the New South Wales Police Medal, as well as a Commissioner's Unit Citation. And that's all in recognition of her involvement in the Lint Cafe siege. I mean, she deserves all of those and more. Uh, This woman in her 30s. Uh, Far, far too young. Really far too young. Anyway, she was uh, farewelled yesterday at a beautiful service in Lithgow. I spoke to the New South Wales Police Minister ahead of that service yesterday and he said that he and members of the force were devastated by Kelly's loss. And our thoughts with her family and loved ones today. All right, in other news, half of the Manly Freshwater Ferry Fleet have now been saved from the scrap heap. This is something to celebrate. It is great to see an iconic piece of Sydney's history still survive and it will be enjoyed by locals, but more importantly, tourists for years to come. Two of the ferries will be used over the weekend, or weekends, I should say, for tourists 
to travel on the iconic vessels as they make their way between Circular Quay and Manly. The Freshwater is the oldest ferry in the fleet and one of the two that will be saved, which is great news. The other one will be the Collaroy. And as I say, they will carry tourists across the harbour on weekends. That announcement made yesterday by the Transport Minister, Andrew Constance. I mean, he promised in November to save at least one of them. And then there was a a local campaign from Liberal MP James Griffin and a stack of others to try and have at least two of these ferries saved so that they can still uh, carry people across the harbour on this voyage during public holidays. You know, major uh, times of the year when we have tourists, and in particular on weekends. The Narrabeen and the Queenscliff ferries will be farewelled halfway through this year. They'll be decommissioned, and there are plans to farewell them. Uh, So they say that weekday commuters on Sydney Harbour who want faster and more frequent services will be served exclusively by the new generation Emerald-class vessels, which apparently are fully accessible, more energy efficient and cheaper to run. But my concerns are, Mr Constance, will they run when there's a swell? I mean, that's what some of the proponents of, you know, all of these campaigns against changing the ferries on Sydney Harbour have been going on about. They say that the new Emerald-class vessels won't be up to... Well, it won't be fit for purpose, won't be up for scra- up to scratch. And that comes, of course, along with the other river cats situation where we learnt that the new vessels to service the Parramatta River, well, they weren't fit for purpose because you couldn't stand up at the back lest you lose your head going under one of the overpasses. Anyway, we'll just have to wait and see, but I think it is good news that we'll, we will be keeping at least two of these iconic freshwater series ferries on Sydney Harbour. Look, I see in sport the Australian cricket team are gearing up to take on India at the Gabba today. The fourth test will decide the Border Gavaskar Trophy. Let's hope this test is more gentlemanly than the tarnished third test. As I mentioned in tennis, there's doubt Andy Murray will make it to the Australian Open after he tested positive to coronavirus. And in the NRL, the Maroons have devised a plan in their search for a new coach. Of course, Wayne Bennett is gone now. It's expected that Paul Green will take the reins this year. But there are also reports there could be a smoky. And, uh, you know, some people are suggesting that Maroons legends, Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston or Justin Hodges could in fact become the new coach of the Queensland State of Origin side. If you want to have your comment on any of those stories or something else you'd like to bring up, please give us a call. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Uh, the Fortress text line is open as well. 0458-049-209. And emails, they're welcome. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. It's a big news story today. There are concerns that young Australians are abandoning condoms to save the planet. The problem is, though, diseases, STIs are on the rise. Did I just say on the rise? I'll quit while I'm ahead, shall I?
right. Thank you for your email, Joe. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Joe says, Marcus, <laughs> the pigeon named Joe the Pigeon will have his own GoFundMe page to support his flight, sorry, fight <laughs> to stay in Australia before the day is out. Have you heard this story? Uh, this pigeon that got lost on its uh, way from America, it was in a, a pigeon race. You know, pigeons, they race. The ones that don't sit in the city and crap on anything, everything. The uh, pigeon in America was in a race, took a wrong turn, ended up on a freight uh, ship and then somehow found its way to Melbourne into a backyard of a bloke who has named the pigeon Joe, after Joe Biden, who, of course, is the incoming US president. So what's happened? Well, after this story went viral yesterday... Quarantine officers from the Australian government are now moving in. They want to euthanise Joe the Pigeon. They want to stop Joe spreading disease. He may well not have a disease. A number of callers to my breakfast program this morning pointed out the obvious. What about all the other migrating birds that arrive here in Australia? What are we going to have? (laughs) Border force lining the cliffs of our country, stopping every bird that migrates, saying, hang on, you need to be tested. Anyway, there is a Save Joe the Pigeon campaign. If you want to be involved in it, just Google search it. (laughs) All right, let's go to your calls. 13, 12, 69. G'day, Ken. How are you, mate? Hi, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, Ken. What's on your mind? Uh, just a quick clean joke about condoms. A duck goes into the chemist and asks for a condom, and the bloke behind the counter says, that'll be $2. He says, oh, I'll just put it on the bill. Oh! A duck. All right, that's very good. Um, thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. the telephone number. While we're talking about animals and this whole show's gone to the animals so far, there is a really good story. If your dog gets overexcited when you mention the word walk, well, you're not alone. The phrase walkies is the most likely to get your four-legged friend's heart rate up. A three, this is a great study, a three-month study of over 4,000 pet owners by researchers found a dog's heart rate increased by 36% on average when the word was mentioned. And there are other several, well, key words all phrases likely to provoke a similar response from your furry companion. The words dinner, food and eat also raise a dog's heart rate to around 152 beats per minute, up 32 beats per minute, sorry, up 32% rather from their resting rate. What's another word? Treats is also a favourite among canines. Now, the five breeds of dog most likely to get excited by happy commands are French Bulldogs, Beagles, Rottweilers, Labrador Retrievers and Dacuns. Mum of four and pet lover Amy agrees with the findings of the study, seeing similar reactions from her nine-year-old Moodle, Nash. And When I talked about this this morning, I, I wondered what a Moodle was. It's a cross between a Maltese and a Poodle. We got some calls on it, I wasn't sure. Anyway, Nash apparently loves walkies. 
He understands what it means. He'll get up and get excited. It's almost like he's tap dancing on the floorboards. (laughs) When we say dinner or food, he will get on his back legs and spin around. Well, there we go. Talkies of walkies gets dogs going. All the big stories here this morning on the John Law's Morning Show. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Could you imagine how they'd be carrying on down the other station if it was the other way around? They'd just be going on and on and on. What do down the road is say something as long as funny and go. <laughs> the guy they've got on in the morning at the moment, I think he's on air at the moment, Mark will leave. He doesn't... I'm waiting for Mark to, in one of his rants, in one of his pro-LNP rants, to basically, after he's, you know, he's praised uh, the Premier for the 50th time that morning. And there she goes. She's down the sideline. She puts the pass inside. Dominic Perrottet can do nothing wrong. He's wonderful the way he's looked after Icare. He's flicked the ball back on the inside. And to finish it off, Matt Keane under the posts. This is Mark Levy. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, on the text 0458 uh, I see Bill is from Tanilba Bay. G'day, Marcus. Regarding the Australian Open, with the latest COVID news, I believe it should now be postponed or cancelled. It's way too risky with so many potential cases slipping through, not to mention in-flight risks of transmission, an enormous amount of baggage involved, plus a potential restroom contamination. What do you make of it? Give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Very soon on the air, the New South Wales Shadow Minister for Rural Health, Kate Washington, about regional hospitals. All right, Marcus Paul in the morning. Hey, Stuart, how are you, mate? Good, Marcus. How are you today, mate? Okay, you want to talk about face masks? Okay, yeah. Um, Just a couple of sort of points or issues about them. Um, I'm pretty sure I I heard on your show, it might have been on one of the other shows, um, that a bloke rang up and said that they're supposed to be changed, especially every hour, the the disposable ones. Do do you recall something about that? Well, I've been told the disposable ones can only be worn once, but surely, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're hopping on a train, you've got it on for five or ten minutes, surely you could wear it if you're hopping on the train again at home. Look, I'm not an expert uh, on face masks, but the disposable ones, uh, I believe you can only wear once, that's what I've been told, but the others... Uh, you know, because everywhere you go now, if you walk, uh, I mean, I've noticed, I've been catching public transport this week to work and back home. I've noticed that everywhere out front of most stores, you can buy all these fancy, you know, really fandangled, fashionable face masks. I mean, how often can they be worn and when do they need to be washed every day? Or what's yeah. the story? Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, and I mean, that's probably a better way to go, I, I really think, because what happens to all these masks when you're finished? Like, they go into landfill. Mm. Um, now, are, are, are they disposed of, like, properly because now they're they're full of everybody's breath whatever they could be holding the the bacteria the the virus whatever you accumulate all them together yeah right so so now this virus can live for however long they say on different surfaces but when you when you put 
put them all together, is it going to make anything worse? Okay, are they being, as I say, disposed of in a in a proper fashion? Um, it just sort of well, are they the biodegradable? Thing. That's the other main issue that, as that's well. That's another thing, and yeah. as with the trolley wipes as well in in. In the shopping centres and that, like, quite often you see the bin is like chock-a-block, man, full of these wipes and that. Where do they actually <laughs> dispose of them? You know, all into landfill again, you know, like... Probably. Yeah, I mean, that's another... That's that's probably an issue later on down the track, you know? All right, mate. Well said. Appreciate the call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Maybe you can shed a bit of light on that. Uh, give us a call, 13 12 69, or if you want, send us a text, 0458 049 209. Now, there are calls for country communities to speak out against chronic doctor shortages and the standard of health care in rural New South Wales before submissions to a parliamentary inquiry close, and you haven't got long. These submissions close today at 5pm. Now, if you want to go and make a submission, and I urge you, if you have a story to tell, to do so, just go uh, on to my social media, hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. We've got links up there that you can follow very clearly and complete your submission. Anyone who hasn't yet made one, please take the time to share your story before close of business today. Why is it important? Well, I want to speak to somebody who's been fighting against defunding, lack of resources, lack of doctors, lack of really adequate health care in regional New South Wales for a while now. It's the Shadow Minister for Rural Health, Kate Washington. Good morning, Kate. Morning, Marcus. It's nice to talk to you. Now, recently, the Health Minister, Brad Hazard, has told reporters telehealth could replace GPs in remote towns. He said, and I quote, it remains a challenge in Australia to get doctors into very small communities. The opportunities that have grown out of telehealth and virtual health are enormous because what it means, someone in a small town remotely where there are no GPs and there are no doctors can actually have world-class specialists giving them the advice and service they need. Look, this is okay during a pandemic, but it's hopefully not something that's long-term, Kate. You're right, Marcus. I, I find the, the Minister's comments quite worrying because telehealth is an important tool, but it ought to supplement health services, not replace them. Because when lives are on the line, doctors shouldn't be online. We actually need them in our hospitals. Well, absolutely, and nothing replaces a face-to-face consultation. Look, in some emergency situations, I understand uh, it is difficult, um, and yes, we do need to use uh, you know, things like uh, Skype and the other tools that are in play in order for these sorts of telehealth... Com- we've got the, you know, the technology available, but my concern, Kate, is that with this technology will also come a reluctance for doctors, experienced specialists, GPs or otherwise, to move into regional New South Wales. Yeah, that's an absolute challenge and it's something that we need to turn around and it's something that the inquiry will be looking at. How we, how we resource our health system in rural and regional centres adequately. But in terms of telehealth, I've heard harrowing stories of virtual doctors giving instructions to hospital staff that just couldn't implement those instructions. Yes. Meanwhile, somebody in front of them is passing away. It's not. It's just not fair on our nurses. 
the health workers or the communities they're trying to care for. All right. Now, of course, this regional health, uh, I mean, inquiry is so vitally important. Uh, People have made submissions. You've got until five o'clock today. If you do want to share your story, why is it important for people to get that information to the government? Well, the people that have the solutions to these problems live in the communities that we are talking to. We want the communities and the health workers in rural and regional New South Wales to raise their voices because they know what the problems are and largely they know what the solutions are too because I've been speaking to them. So it's great to have this opportunity for communities to have input into solving the problems that they face now. Well, the problems are as follows. Avoidable deaths can be twice as likely in rural and regional communities when compared to cities. The average age of death for those in Sydney is 79 and more than a decade higher than residents in our most remote communities, which sits at 66. The highest rates of preventable hospitalisation and preventable chronic disease are in regional and rural areas. So public hearings, which begin later this year, will hear evidence not only from from patients and, you know, concerned people in regional New South Wales, but I know that allied health professionals are also taking part in this and sharing their stories, Kate. That's right. We're wanting the inquiry to cover the whole gamut of the health system, right from, you know, reproductive health services, maternity services, mental health, paediatric, palliative, oncology, like the, it, it, and um, ambulance services. There are so many elements to the health system that we want the inquiry to look at. But we are hoping once the submissions close that the inquiry and the committee will go to regional communities to hear directly from them about the issues that they face. And hopefully, I, I would like to see the committee actually going into one of these small regional hospitals and seeing what it's like for a nurse in one of those small regional hospitals who are hundreds of kilometres away from anybody else and yet they're looking after all the patients in their hospital beds. They're looking after everyone who comes through their emergency department and they don't know what that will look like on any given day. And then they're also managing all this in a global pandemic. So the pressure on our nurses and our health workers is enormous right now. And whilst we've got doctors, we've got hospitals without doctors, Yeah. with all that pressure, we're going to end up with hospitals without doctors and nurses. So this is... We are already in a crisis and we need some strong recommendations to come out from this parliamentary inquiry so that we can start turning this around and making this an equal system for everybody in New South Wales. Look, just one thing before I let you go, Kate. Uh, This is an email that a listener shared with me this morning. I'd like to get your comment on it regarding telehealth. G'day, Marcus. My experience with telehealth... If you don't give them 10 days notice, they charge you the full amount for the appointment, in my case being $160. They do not mention this on their website. They do mention about rebooking the appointment, and in my case that was not possible at the time. Um, I have proof of this. And it's unbelievable. I mean, I understand from my emailer's perspective, you don't know when you're going to get sick. You don't plan it. You don't, you know, think, oh... Next week, I, I might be sick. I might book a, a telehealth appointment. How on earth 
can you give anybody 10 days' notice of an appointment, particularly if you've fallen ill, um, you know, suddenly? Well, it's exactly the... Yeah, it speaks to the frustrations of people at the moment who are struggling to access healthcare services of any kind. To even get into a GP who... If there is a GP in town, it's very difficult to get in to see them. If if you're trying to book into telehealth, again, it is really difficult. So just trying to access health services of any kind in rural and regional New South Wales right now is really difficult. Mm. And, you know, I, I think your Sydney listeners, listeners would be shocked to learn that you can, when, as you say, an emergency comes up, you go to the hospital and you find that there's no doctor there. I don't. I don't think anybody would find that. Um, it's not acceptable. It's it's twenty twenty one in one of the most overtaxed states on this planet. It is not acceptable, Kate, and in any way, shape, or form. What we want uh, is this expansive probe to consider outcomes for people living in rural, regional, and remote New South Wales. We want people in the bush to have just as much right and access to what you would find in cities. Access and availability of services, planning systems, capital and recurrent health expenditure, staffing challenges and allocations to be sorted out. An urgent inquiry is something that's been needed for quite some time in rural health. So please make a submission if you can before five o'clock today, Kate. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Marcus, for helping get the message out. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Catch up soon. Thanks. All okay. right. Bye bye. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. The telephone number. All right. Well, Bernie, God help you, Bernie. If you live in regional or rural New South Wales, Bernie, Bernie's a stooge. He's just a sook. Bernie says, Marcus, nobody from the government will go on your show. Question mark. Only the Labor losers. Oh, well, second best is better than nothing. But newsflash, Marcus. Uh, You have Mark and his dog Rodney. Can we hear more from Rodney and less from Mark? He rings every announcer. I get sick of hearing his pathetic comments. Well, that's your opinion, Bernie. That's fine. Uh, But in relation to only Labour losers, as I say, you moron, I need to speak to people like the shadow health minister in New South Wales so we can get improvements to health outcomes in regional areas of this state. You mightn't give a stuff, Bernie, but I do. You might want to make it political. I don't. There's no point in talking to Brad Hazard about this. He wouldn't even speak to me over Newmarch House when aged people were dying every second day and I was screaming out for an interview with the bloke. So, Bernie, you want to make it politically? Get nicked, go and listen somewhere somewhere else because I'm not interested in the rubbish emails you continually send to the program. It's not about politics. It's about getting better outcomes for listeners in regional areas. If you want to call me a Labor you know, sympathiser or whatever it is you want to carry on with, with your stupid labels, then don't listen, mate, all right? Because, again, I want to get outcomes for people in regional New South Wales and regional Australia where I'm broadcasting to right now. You have your own agenda. It doesn't match mine, and I'd put my agenda up ahead of yours any day of the week. All right, back to callers. Hello, Bob. How are you? Marcus, how are you, mate? All right, thank you, boss. What's on your mind? Good. Hey, mate, I want to um, let you know of an experience I had in 2012. Yes. 
I was up the north coast living up there in the village, far north coast. Yep. And I had a heart attack. Oh, sorry to hear that, Bob. You're obviously okay, though. Yeah, well, we're talking, mate, yeah. But um, I go I go to my doctor, of course. They send me to Lismore Base Hospital, mate, for a check-up and put a stent in. Yep. They couldn't do that. In Lismore? I had to sit around for two days. Sent me by, by um, taxi ambulance or whatever they call them. Yeah. They had no ambulances to send me up to the South, South Port. What is it? South Port. Yes. South, South Port um, Hospital. On the Gold Coast, yep. Two days I sat around in that hospital, stressing out and everything over whether I was going to die from a heart attack or what, before I even got in a car to go to Southport Hospital, mate. Yeah. That's how pathetic it was in 2012, and nothing's changed, mate. Nothing's changed? No, I, call, I still speak to people where I come from up there. Yep. And they say it's even worse. Well, look... I had a caller on the breakfast show the other morning who uh, had called me from the south coast of New South Wales. There is a brand new hospital, $50 million spent on this joint down in Barrel. Now, Barrel services uh, an area, population, if you like, uh, that, that's without tourists, of around 50,000 people. He told me at that brand new $50 million hospital, there was one doctor one nurse and two or three wardsmen. Oh, and a COVID marshal. <laughs> that was it <laughs> when he went there last weekend. Yeah, the... yeah, another quick thing, mate. Yeah. I just explained my situation. I got a bad heart. I had another heart attack since then. Boy, oh Thank boy. God I'm still alive. Yes. But, but, but these sporting officials that are playing Russian roulette with people like me, my life, by, by, by bringing in these COVID sportsmen, mate. What's going on here? Well, money talks, unfortunately, Bobby. That's the problem. Thank you for your call. And, look, I'm glad you're doing a lot better, mate. Look after your health in 2021. Thank you. Philip, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Marcus. I appreciate the opposition health minister and the people you get on speaking. Thank you. But I really would like you to ask them not to enunciate the problem, which we already know, but what they're going to do about it. They they are paid extra money to be the opposition health minister. How about giving us the opposition, what you would do about it? How are you going to get doctors and say, you will go to Coonabarra, man, you will go. They go where they please and they go where the money is. Well, that's true. And look, your point is valid. I mean, it's very difficult in opposition to enforce change. But look, I do applaud those that do extra work in their portfolios, even if they are in opposition. Because without, I guess, an opposition member calling out some of the inefficiencies, if you like... Yep. In health or any uh, any other portfolio, quite often we wouldn't know about it. What because do you think the government is going to highlight or promote its you know its problems? Nothing's perfect. We understand that, but that's look that's just the way our system works in a democracy. We've got somebody in power. We've some, got somebody who wants to be in power and oppose them. But yeah, the argument is very sustainable, though. Quite yes, often, yeah, quite often we do, Philip. Hear people say, "Well, okay, um, you're pointing out all the problems. What are the solutions?" Correct. Yeah. Okay. Another thing, Angus. That Marcus. I had a friend that had a heart attack. I got him to a hospital at Lismore. They treated him within two hours. He had an operation. 
and uh, had his aorta fixed. Well, look... So, you know, the, the hospitals up in the Northern Rivers area, mm. Lismore, Grafton, McLean, they are very good hospitals. Well, that and they, is good. And that they're well-staffed, and they can knock you up to um, the Gold Coast, John Flynn, if yeah. something goes wrong. So we, we're very lucky in the Northern Rivers. All right, mate, thank you. Anthony, are you there? No, Anthony's not. Maybe, Anthony, you can call us back after the news. That'd be really good. I'd appreciate it. Uh, 13 12 69, the telephone number. And the text, if you want to send me a text, 0458 049 209 is the text line. Emails, and I've got a couple more to get through in a few moments, but uh, let's have a look here. This one from John Watson, Crossbred Dogs. Good morning, Marcus. I hope you're well. We actually have a Moodle which, as you said, is a cross Maltese poodle. My wife said she wanted to get another dog, so I said, why don't we get a Shih Tzu cross boxer? (laughs) All right, I know what's coming here. A Shih Tzu cross boxer. My wife then turned to me, says John, and says, what type of dog is that? It's a shit box. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay? I I know I shouldn't swear, but that was just too good to let go. Thank you for that email, John. Appreciate it. You'll need your natural, whose sporting prowess is unmatched. Your technician to roll you in and out of the tightest spots. Your thinker to lead your game plan. Your enforcer to strike when needed. And Steve, uh, he can get the drinks. Local legends wanted. Search Bowls Club near me to join a team or start one. The John Laws Morning Show on Sydney's 2SM, 1269. Good morning, I'm McKenna Savage. Two of the four Manly ferries will still run between Sydney's northern beaches and the city on weekends instead of just one ferry. The freshwater and Collaroy vessels won't be retired with the Narrabeen and Queenscliff ships in favour of the newer Emerald-class fleet. But Labor Deputy Leader Yasmin Catley says that's not good enough. Oh, this is just a cop-out from Minister Constance. It makes absolutely no fiscal or operational sense to keep only two of the ferries. Why not keep four? There are economies of scale servicing these types of vessels and there are economies of scale to be made when servicing four of the vessels. Andrew Constant says that we have an efficient transport system, but we don't. Calls are being made for the Aboriginal flag to be flown at half-mast on January 26. Nicola Field reports. Victorian Senator Lydia Thorpe is pushing for the Aboriginal flag to be flown at half-mast on January 26. Senator Thorpe is a First Nations Australian and she says flying the flag at half-mast would be a formal adoption of the day as a day of mourning. She says the month of January is a hard time for Indigenous Australians and after 200 years there is a collective amnesia about this being a violent occupation. Senator Thorpe has noted the idea of January 26 being a day of mourning isn't a new idea and as with Anzac Day it would be a day to reflect and mourn those who have died fighting for their country. The proposal to fly the flag at half-mast harkens back to the first time the date was marked as a day of mourning by the Aborigines Progressive Association in Sydney in 1938. At Parliament House, Canberra, Nicola Field for Super Network News. 
Police are appealing for assistance as they investigate a shooting in southwestern Sydney last year. A 45-year-old man was shot in Denham Court on November 6 and remains in hospital undergoing treatment. Joanne Elliott from New South Wales Police Headquarters says vision and images of a black 2015 BMW M4 has been released. Investigators are appealing to anyone in the community with information about the vehicle's movements or occupants and they've asked them to come forward. Police are also appealing for anyone who may have dash cam vision from Campbelltown Road or surrounding streets between 6.30pm and 9.30pm on Friday the 6th of November last year. There will be more gender options on this year's census. Gender non-binary will be added to the 2021 survey and there are also plans to ask Australians what their sex was at birth as well. The changes are intended to get a better measure of diversity within the population. In 2016 census, only 1,260 gender diverse people were counted across the whole country and the Australian Bureau of Statistics later had to publish a note clarifying this figure was likely to be inaccurate. Australia's longest-serving finance minister, Matthias Cormann, is being considered a front-runner for the secretary-general position at the OECD. Critics of the Liberal power broker predicted the party's climate policies would inhibit his chances of getting the position, but the Herald reports he's been put in the group with the most support from the 38 member countries. The top group also includes Sweden's candidate Cecilia Malmström and Swiss nominee Philip Hildebrand. China Mobile is set to bid for telecommunications assets in the Pacific. Digicel is under financial pressure and is looking to offload its mobile phone networks across Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Tonga and Samoa. The move is expected to trouble Australia's national security agencies. Updating sport, India is considering playing injured fast bowling ace Jasprit Bumrah in today's fourth and final test against Australia at the Gabba. India is refusing to rule Bumrah out despite his suffering an abdominal strain in the third test. Australia and India are tied at one all for this final match with the winner to take home the Border Gavaskar trophy. Meanwhile, Aaron Finch has admitted his squad hasn't been up to standard after suffering a five-wicket defeat to the Brisbane Heat. The Melbourne Renegades are last placed on the BBL ladder, now sitting on just two wins from 10 matches. Finch has told Seven West Media he feels sorry for head coach Michael Klinger, who says he's doing a good job. The QRL is considering a number of options to replace Queensland coach Wayne Bennett. It's understood Paul Green could take up the role for this year before being replaced with one or a combination of former players. And Melbourne Storm is considering Ryan Pappenhausen to take on Cameron Smith's role as captain. Smith is still yet to publicly confirm whether he will play on or retire as the NRL most capped player. In finance, the ordinaries is open at 6982 and one Aussie dollars buying 77.79 US cents. This is Super Network News. 2SM Sydney weather. Partly cloudy with the slight chance of showers and a possible thunderstorm today. Winds are southerly tending east to northeasterly. We're heading for top temperatures of 29 degrees in the city and 35 in the west. Looking further ahead, sunny on Saturday, Sunday and Monday. At the moment in the city it's 24, Bankstown 24 and Richmond also 24. That's the latest 2SM news. I'm Michaela Savage. Now back to Marcus Paul in the morning on 2SM. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning.
the Police Minister of New South Wales, David Elliott. I'm sick of these sooks who seem to think that, you know, putting on a mask is either difficult or, uh, or an infringement. It's not. This is, you know, we're a nation of, of soldiers. We're Anzacs. We're, you know, we, we, every year we take <laughs> yep. on the blue, the, the, the all blacks on the rugby pitch. But, you know, we built the Snowy Mountain scheme. We're, I, I can't believe that there is an Australian 2021 who, who, who seems to think that uh, it's too difficult to wear a mask out in public. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to become a habit. It has, and it's, and it's a massive change in our lifestyle, in our culture, but it's not one that's going to be around forever. No, it's and it's not. certainly not one that's, that's, that's going to, you know, that, that it's costing people uh, their lives. The, the, the reality is that if you don't wear it, you're probably going to cost a life. It's not going to hurt you to put it on. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back to the program. My number, 131269, if you would like to have you say. The text line is there for you as well, 0458 049 209. And emails, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Bernie, you're copying it a little bit after your emails this morning. Dennis, in reply to Bernie. A memo to you, Bernie. Labor loses, you say. Do you mean Labor victories in Eden Monero, Northern Territory, Victoria, WA, Queensland? Bernie, you can't even emigrate to New Zealand either, can you? I, like many others, listen to Marcus to get the truth. So, Bernie, do you like the way things are going politically? Do you stick your head in the ground or elsewhere over robo-debt and the deaths associated with it? Sports rorts. Murray Darling, deaths by COVID in federally funded aged care in Victoria and New South Wales. The NBN flop, trade with China debacle, government debt that will take 200 years to pay off. And not forgetting our where the bloody hell were you Scots when Australia was burning Prime Minister. Do you want me to go on burning? All right, Victoria's on the open line. G'day, Victoria. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, Marcus. How are you? Well, thank you, sweetie. What's on your mind? You give good show. Now, let's, I you. was an impatient in this more mental health for four months. Okay. My sight in one eye was rapidly losing uh, vision. Yep. I was yelling. I was screaming. I was begging. I was beseeching to see an eye specialist. Yes. I was there for four months after mm. three and a half months. They got me to a hospital eye specialist. By that time, I was totally blind in my right eye. Too late. After yelling and screaming and performing, and do you know what, Marcus? Mm. Now they tell me I need behaviour modification. All because you believe you weren't looked after in the first place appropriately? Absolutely right. At Lismore Base Hospital? Correct. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. How, Do you know how, yeah. if you live if you live in in the north northern uh, uh, region, yeah. you don't get to go to a New South Wales hospital. They shunt you off to uh, Queensland. Yes, up to the Gold Coast, because yep. obviously um, that is probably the next major population centre with a a half decent health service. Well, you know, Lismore could done a lot more for me because that I was savable. Well, I'm sorry. How are you coping these days, Victoria? Okay. It, it's funny. I'm well. I'm, I'm heavily medicated, but I'm well. Good. And uh, 
there's a lot of things being totally blind in one eye, your cognition, your distance. I've seen this reading. Yeah, it'll be it's awful. It's very difficult to read with one eye, and mm. I used to love reading. Well, you look after yourself, Victoria, and I hope you have a wonderful year, and please take care, and thank you for the call. Bert is online. G'day, Bert. How are you? Oh, I'm really well, mate. Yeah, Excellent. I'm flat out hearing you. Could you speak up a little bit, please? Hey, Bert, what's on your mind? Yeah, well, look, mate, I'm I'm just a bit sick of everybody getting money by the the pensioners that earned the money for them in the first place. Well, know? that's right. Uh, we haven't had a pension increase in the last uh, six months, and that's the first time in 30 years pen- the yes, pension hasn't gone up, Bert. Yeah, that's right, mate. I, the, um, you know, uh, the uh, our scripts for any medication you want has gone up, and but the pension won't go up. You know, they can give it to everybody else around Australia, bar the people that actually earn the money for them that they've got in their pockets now. When we retire, you know, we retire now, and, and you can't get anything. Any any satisfaction? The rates are going up. The electricity, <laughs> yep. you name it. That's yep. all. Absolutely right, Bert. Yeah, yep. Registration on your car. Mm. Yep. I don't know why this pensioner group that we're supposed to have in Australia ain't jumping on Morrison and trying to get a bit of an increase. Well, they know? tried. They tried. I, look, I have to say, I spoke at length to a number of of pension lobby groups who were. Screaming blue murder when the pension didn't go up. Absolutely we did, but it all fell on deaf ears, unfortunately, Bert. And you're right, quite often when things get tough and, you know, we're, we're, this is what I don't understand, OK? I'll, I'll just say this because I don't get it. We are borrowing more money than ever before for job keeper and job seeker, OK? So we're already in debt. And it'll take a hell of a long time to pay it off. While we're borrowing, why could we? Why couldn't we have borrowed as well to increase the pension at least and look after some of the most vulnerable in our community? Pensioners—they deserve a hell of a better deal than they're getting at the moment. All right, Les, are you there? Yeah, g'day, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, Les. What's on your mind? Uh- I just got two quick questions to ask you. Um, you were talking yesterday about speeding fines. We were, yes. Um, look, there's another thing about that. You know, the people who got fined and haven't done it you know, wrong and they can't do nothing about it, you know they cannot get their licence for half price because they've been booked? Now, that point's worth a lot more than what people think. Yeah, we had a caller that mentioned that as well. I don't know whether you heard it. Uh, what it means effectively is you're not only copying the original fine, but you're, you're missing out on any possible uh, subsidy that you may have on renewing your licence. Absolutely. It's like being yeah. penalised twice. Yeah. Uh, and the other question, uh, the other thing I want to ask you, uh-huh. I heard about this tennis play coming to Australia with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. We've got to wear masks, so how can they make one rule and, and break the rule by bringing someone else that's already got the virus? Well, look, what I wanted to do was confirm this morning the detail of this. This tennis player, um, and I've forgotten now, Tenzin Sangren, I think it is, he tested positive to COVID-19 back in November. He said he's fully recovered. 
and that everything's okay. So maybe this is just a, I don't know, a bit of a beat up. If he tested positive in November and he's okay at the moment, well, then I guess he's able to come under the current rules. But the problem is, I mean, the greater issue here, I think, is that, again, there seems to be one rule for some and rules for others. If you're a professional cricket player, professional tennis player, as we know, professional NRL player, I mean, do we keep our major sporting events going during the pandemic? Is it all to do with money? Some say yes, it is, but it's also to do with the overall mental health of Australians. We love our cricket, we love our football, and we love our tennis. Is it worth the risk? Well, that's the question I ask you. 13, 12, 16. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. All right, welcome back. Let's get back to the open line. Ron, are you there, mate? Yeah, mate, am I ever? Boy, have you got some information out there? I, we could, I could, well, we could talk all day about what's just come up just uh, in the last t- five, ten minutes. Uh, first of all, um, Yasmin Catley, um, she's wonderful. Uh, what the trouble I had just though with the hospitals and the doctors and what have you. Yeah. Uh, when I lost my sight, or nearly lost my sight, I should say, she was the only politician uh, that was very helpful and. Uh, it was when she first got into into uh, power, actually, and it's wonderful to, to see that she's uh, the, the uh, shadow uh, minister for, I mean, uh, minister for the state. Yeah, well, Yasmin uh, is the state. two I see. She's the two I see uh, to Jodie McKay. But, uh, yeah, look, again, quite often, I mean, people are saying to me, oh, you know, why are you giving a voice to the opposition yeah. a lot of the time. Well, I'll be honest with you. If you have a problem, Ron, quite yeah. often the opposition MPs are the ones that can get it fixed for you. Well, you're absolutely <laughs> correct because I've, I've been most of my life, I've been a, a, a businessman, I've been a printer, I've been in the trade, I haven't been you know, in a union, what have you. Uh, but, I, you know, I always can see I like to have, uh, you've got to, I have an open mind, one, one Sometimes I go Liberal, sometimes I Labor. I uh, I don't really like it when they're in for power for too long because they get a little bit little bit uh, um, arrogant, you know, and what have you. But mm. um, no, she's one of the she's she's excellent, excellent, and she really does care for for health and the trouble that I had. But yep. that trouble I have made it's 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 just a matter of me getting around because it's already gone straight up to the. Uh, the legal office in 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 at the uh, Prince Alfred Hospital, and I went in last year towards going on towards the last year, and they said everything you said was correct, Ron. It's uh, it was wrong. My actually my uh, my um, records of my admission records and uh, clinical re- records had been changed, and uh, that's against the law. So, um, and they and I've. They pretty well know who it is and everything. Yeah. So it's just a matter of me starting again. But I've been so busy with my broken damn hip and what oh, have you. And Ron, you've been I've in the wars. Getting the house nice and safe, my security getting better. Yep. I've been broken into twice and oh. what have you. But it's nice to know there's people like Yasmin and yourself. All right. Well, I mean, that's the whole idea. Um, we're, we're trying to give a voice sometimes to the voiceless and... Um, you know, I'll cop it from all quarters for not, you know, having government ministers on my program. But, I mean, there's a method to my madness. Trust me, I kind of know what I'm doing. And again, I'll just put this out there one more time. For those that want to troll and hassle me, 
Ah, uh, you're always talking to Labor, you lefty. No, it's not about that. It's about accountability. It's about the fact that don't you want your taxpayer money being spent the most efficiently? Don't you want solutions to a problem? Well, quite often you need to have a listen to alternate points of view in order to get a solution to a possible problem. Anyway, all right, uh, Malcolm, good morning. How are you? Good, mate. Excellent, um, Malcolm. I've got a bit of a... Can you hear me? I've got you, Malcolm. Let's go. Okay, just... Uh, I'm a pensioner. Uh, I'm just uh, agreeing with that fellow that you know, it's about time we had some money in their pension. But yes. the main thing I want to talk about in this morning's paper, I read that that thieving scoundrel, polit- ex-politician Eddie O'Bead, has just received another 140000 pension. Can you find out uh, what the story is with, with that, please? Eddie O'Bead, the disgraced former Labor MP who really... Uh, well, as far as I'm concerned, should rot in jail for a lot longer. All right, we'll find out the detail about that. So you're saying he's received... Well, that's not a government pension, is it? I have no idea. It's just in, in the bulletin. I'm on the Gold Coast. Yeah, It's okay. in the bulletin there. So someone was asking mm-hmm. um, that, that there's no politicians that seem to want to stop him getting this. It just says another $140,000 pension. I have no idea whether it's government or not. All right, I'd well, just I'm... like to know more about it. I'm looking up the story as we speak. I'll get some detail on it, and I'll uh, I'll try and get to the bottom of it. Okay, the Gold Coast Bulletin. Thank you. Appreciate it, Malcolm. All right, 131269. Margaret, good morning. How are you? Margaret. All right, Margaret couldn't hold on. What about you, Pito? Are you there? And couldn't hold on as well. All righty, uh, that means you can call right now, 13 12 69. I think Margaret and Pino wanted to talk about the calls that are being made for the Aboriginal flag to be flown at half-mast this Australia Day, January 26. Well, what do you say? Give me a call. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. 13 12 69. 2SM Sydney Traffic. The M5, busy bit moving traffic, King George's Road down towards the M5 East Tunnel, Rudy Hill Road south at Eastern Road. Traffic lights blanked out. It's all due to that earlier accident. And looking at a high volume of traffic, Parramatta Road at that Woodville Road intersection, all directions are through there. Sensational summer deals at Anaconda this weekend. 30% off all beach shelters and beach chairs by Life and Body Glove. And Sunday at Anaconda, play more, pay less. That's the latest traffic on 2SM 1269. Finance Easy can help you through these uncertain certain financial times. Whether you need to get on top of bills, business loans, car loans, equipment finance, Finance Easy can take the stress out of finding finance with Australia's best rates. We are here to support the community. Chat to us online or over the phone and let us take care of everything. Visit financeeasy.com.au or call 1300-003-003. Finance Easy. That's E-Z-I. We make getting what you want easy. Peters of Kensington offers the ultimate shopping experience and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping in-store or online. Select from an abundance of fine quality products including kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, Peters themed hampers are a great idea for birthdays and other special occasions. Peters of Kensington, 57 Anzac Parade, Kensington or shop online at petersofkensington.com.au G'day Murphys here. Summer is here, and that means two things. Our big quick sustaining in on the pitch. 
and your car's aircon needs to be on top of its mark. Your off stump will be blown away by the aircon service at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. Their fully qualified mechanics will keep you cool all year with a comprehensive service on your car's aircon system, no matter what you drive. Book online today at repcoservice.com. Helping you to manage the pain and inflammation associated with osteo and other mild forms of arthritis is Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel. Always read the label, use only as directed, and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. Look for Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel at pharmacies and health food stores everywhere. To find the location of your nearest Stiff Sore and Sorry stockist, go to loveoilcollection.com.au or phone Ray on 040-66-71-359. It's never been more important to buy Australian than right now. Our local manufacturers and growers produce world-class products known for their quality, safety and reliability. All while generating local jobs, supporting our communities and helping Australian families now and into the future. So look for the trusted Australian-made logo to be sure it's authentically Australian-made. Visit australianmade.com.au 2SM, 1269am, 2SM Digital and online at 2SMSuperNetwork.com Alright, now we all know the Beijing government has an agenda. They want to do whatever they possibly can to acquire land and assets across the world in their pursuit of world domination. Pretty obvious, really. Their latest move, which has worried the Morrison government, is an attempt to purchase telecommunications assets in the Pacific region. Digicel, a company owned by Irish billionaire Dennis O'Brien, is currently experiencing financial strain and is seeking to offload its mobile phone networks. Now, these networks are in our neighbouring countries, including Fiji, Samoa, Tonga and Papua New Guinea. And at present, the main bidders for the assets are Chinese companies Huawei, ZTE and China Mobile. The Australian government and security agencies hold fears that if the company lands in Chinese hands, the Communist Party could have the capability of spying on our closest neighbours. And that would pave the way for the Beijing government so slowly but surely be able to extract sensitive information from us here in Australia. So, in response, the government has hatched a plan to provide credit to other potential bidders that aren't backed by China to acquire the telecommunications assets. But there is a potential catch. Senior government officials fear it could set a detrimental precedent in Australia whereby any debt-laden telco in the Pacific region could raise the threat of China acquiring their assets, thus forcing our government to outlay more Australian taxpayer dollars in order to prevent the Chinese acquisition. So it is, I guess, a catch-22. Do we prevent China from buying Digicel in order to protect our national interests, thus setting a precedent that we could take similar action in the future, Or do we simply let China continue to expand its dominance in our region? Look, in my opinion, China poses such a huge threat to our national security and has treated us quite abysmally in the past year that our government should do all it can to prevent their pursuit of world domination. 
Right back to your calls. Pino, are you there? Yeah, mate, how are you? Well, thank you. What's Pino short for? Is it P-I-N-O, is that right? Or Yeah, P-I-N-O, yeah. Okay. All right, mate, what's on your mind? Hey, um, I'm just thinking about your comments earlier in regards to the Aboriginal flag mm. and playing the hearts mask for Australia Day. Um, I, I don't see the reason why we would need to do that or the Aboriginal Council would uh, expect to have that flown at half-mask. Well, it's a call from uh, the new uh, Greens, Lydia Thorpe. She's calling for on this Australia Day, January 26, for Aboriginal masks around the country, Aboriginal flags, I beg your pardon, around the country to be flown at half-mast. Now, I agree with you. I can't see what that will achieve apart from causing further diversity. Can't we just well, leave Australia Day alone? We're doing in our country. You know, we're, we're paying out over $36 billion a year to Aboriginal, Aboriginal funding yep. each and every year. And we're, all we're doing is just segregating Australians from other Australians, which are also Aboriginal. You know, to, to have our, their flag flown at half-mast, I think it's ludicrous. And not just that, why is it that we need to fly the Aboriginal flag at Commonwealth or uh, government buildings? I, I don't understand well, why I don't we mind. have to yeah. have all these little people, you know, waving flags, you know. Mm. I don't know. Look, I don't mind uh, the Aboriginal flag being flown. In fact, I quite like the Aboriginal flag. What would I like to see, ultimately, I would like to see part of the Aboriginal flag, the colours, incorporated into the Australian flag. That's my opinion. Why, don't, why can't we have a flag with the Southern Cross and the Aboriginal uh, flag, the, you know, the colours and uh, the symbol? Why can't we have that combined into one flag and maybe, I don't know, get rid of the Southern Cross, for goodness sake? Not the Southern Cross, I beg your pardon. The, sorry, it's been a long day. The Union Jack... That's what I meant to say. Keep the Southern Cross, get rid of the Union Jack and incorporate the Aboriginal flag in an Australian flag. Or will that not make a difference? Will people still be upset? But look, these calls by Lydia Thorpe and probably others now being made for the Aboriginal flag to be flown at half-mast on January 26, all it will do is further divide an already divisive country. And I'm, I'm quite... Sick, to be honest. I'm sick of hearing it each and every year, whether it's Invasion Day, change the date, whatever. Um, Can't we just sort this out once and for all? I I fear that it's an ongoing issue we have to deal with each and every year and it's causing further division. Nothing's interrupted our lives more than COVID-19. If you have a cough, please get tested for it. But if you've had an unexplained and persistent cough <coughs> that's stuck around for many weeks <coughs> and you're feeling breathless, breathless, nothing should interrupt you asking your GP <coughs> to test for something more serious, like lung cancer or lung disease. <coughs> for more information, visit lungfoundation.com.au, Australia's leading lung health charity. Bet Deluxe, the new home for online punting. This Saturday, every Metro race across the nation, we have our huge racing specials. Visit betdeluxe.com.au. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Gamble responsibly. If gambling becomes an issue, call 1-800-858-858. Okay, purse, check. Mobile, check. Shopping list, check. Son playing in the driveway. Didn't check. Tragically, each year, children are being killed or injured in low-speed runovers, often in driveways at home. 
Toe, actively supervise children around vehicles, separate play areas from driveways and garages, and C, always make sure you check around the vehicle before you get in and drive. See gjfoundation.com.au for more information, acknowledgements to Safe Kids New Zealand and Transport for New South Wales. Peters of Kensington is the ultimate shopping experience and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping online or in-store. Whichever you choose, an abundance of fine quality products awaits. Kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas are just part of the huge range. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, the especially themed hampers are a great alternative to something more traditional. Peters of Kensington, 57 Anzac Parade or shop online at petersofkensington.com.au Why in the world would you shop anywhere else? Ozclean products, half price, now at Woolworths. Mold Power gets rid of mold spores, contains no chlorine, ammonia or phosphate. Oven Power, don't scrub it, bag it. Kitchen Power, a sparkling clean for worktops and stainless steel. Ozclean products actually work. They're eco-friendly and proudly 100% Australian. Ozclean, half price, now at Woolworths. When it comes to the management of pain and inflammation associated with osteo and other mild forms of arthritis, Stiff, Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel may assist you. Always read the label, use only as directed, and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. Look for Stiff, Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel at pharmacies and health food stores everywhere. To find the location of your nearest Stiff, Sore and Sorry stockers, go to loveallcollection.com.au or phone Ray 0406-671359. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski this summer? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. The John Laws Morning Show on Sydney's 2SM, 1269. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning, in for Lawsie. Lawsie will be back after the Australia Day long weekends. Look, Macaulay Culkin, remember him? He's from Home Alone. Um, He's 40 years of age now. How old do I feel? Anyway, the 40-year-old former child star has joined a chorus of fans calling for the president's cameo to be cut from the movie Home Alone 2. Yep, remember Donald Trump? He appears for about, I don't know, 30 seconds in the movie and... Now, some want to try and erase history. I think that's ridiculous. Why on earth would you be cutting Trump out of a movie, for goodness sake? And besides that, it's, it's, a, it's really almost impossible anyway. OK, you can cut it out of the movie to be streamed from now on, but how many DVDs are out there? Probably millions of them. You know, or old VHSs, etc. Uh, Macaulay Culkin and others... I mean, they they really, these celebrities really do get behind their chosen uh, candidates every time there's an election and every time there's a change of government in the United States. I understand all of that, but, I mean, that's just ridiculous. You cannot erase history, even if you are Macaulay Culkin, that cute kid with the beanie. (laughs) You might be able to defeat Joe Pesky or Joe Pesci in the movie, you know, Joe, one of the wet bandits, but you cannot erase history, Macaulay. Anyway, speaking of Donald Trump, he also appeared not only in Home Alone 2, but, I mean, he's been in a whole st- no, a stack of other television shows where he's made cameos, including Full House, 
and others. So what, are they all going to be taken offline uh, or streaming services now? Or will Donald Trump be erased out of those television programs? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous, if you ask me. Just, again, going that step too far. Are you there, Paul? Yes, Marcus. Hello, Paul. How are you, mate? Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, I'd just like to talk about the guy that rang up about the pension yep. increases. Mm-hmm. Last year, as a, as a single male pensioner, yep. I received two lots of $750. That's right. So people tend to forget this, mate, and, and that's because of the COVID and the bushfires. Yep. There was also extra if, if people wanted it. Mm. And I would suspect that in March, when the job keeper finishes, aged pensioners get a CPI increase in March and September. Well, that's the hope. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I look when I made so, my, when I made my earlier comments and I said, oh, you know, we should be borrowing money and maybe helping out pensioners. We already have, of course, we yeah. have uh, with those yes, payments. Mate. Yeah, well said. Uh, I should have yeah. remembered that at the time. And an amount of fifteen hundred dollars, mate, is more than enough for me. I don't know what couples got, mm. but me as a single age pensioner, yep, received two lots of seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, Carol agrees with you online here. Uh, thank you for that, mate. Carol agrees with you. Carol says, Marcus, I'm getting a little tired of hearing pensioners complaining about what they do and do not get. Uh, maybe some pensioners listening to this mightn't agree with you. But anyway, Carol, this is what you say. Number one, they are lucky to get anything. Well, no, I don't agree with that. Number two, the pension has not gone up this year. But they have forgotten that they received last year, in July, $750. In December, $250. That's per person. And I believe another $250 in March of this year. Yes, that is the case. Yes, I am a pensioner and yes, I live comfortably. And I do not complain, as I feel very privileged to receive the support from the government that I do. All right, Carol, thank you. And let's hope, let's hope that by the time March rolls around, that the pension will increase in line with the CPI. As we know, last September it didn't. Uh, Here we go. Um, Andrew asks, is Dennis okay a year on? And we still have people like Dennis banging on about ScoMo being on annual leave during the bushfires. And a year on, I still do not understand why that was a problem. You say it's about accountability, but ScoMo is not accountable for the management of bushfires. So why uh, do the Dennises of this world now not get this? It's been explained numerous times, says Andrew. Well, you're right, Andrew, and uh, (laughs) I agree with you. Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, is not responsible for bushfire management, um, but he is responsible, however, for robo-debt. Anthony, third-party insurance. G'day, Marcus. The other silly thing with your insurance going up after a fine is that the third-party insurance is attached to the car, not the driver. Anyone who drives the car will be covered You could have the car under the name of someone in the family who actually never drives. All right, Anthony, thank you for that. Terry, are you there, mate? 
Yes, I am. How are you? Hey, Terry. Good, thank you. This way. Um, talking about the Prime Minister there, uh, Scooter. Um, Who? Sc- Scooter. All right, that's new. Scooter Momo, I call him. Right, okay. Um, his family go back to the first and the second fleet. And here he is running the country. You said you couldn't uh, erase history. But unfortunately, that's what's been going on for 240 years in Australia. Erasing history. Well, only if you choose to believe that to be the case. I don't, but look, well, a lot the of people do. Wars, did the Frontier Wars happen? Oh, I don't want to get into all of that with you, mate. But what look, about all the massacres, yes. all the rapes and murders? Well, I'm sure they did. Yes, of course, Terry. And, and, and can you play Yothawindi Treaty? Because the line in there is really good where it says, um, when you planted your Union Jack, that didn't change our laws at all. All right. Well, maybe. Uh, I'm on air on Australia Day, so maybe I'll save it to January 26th. Just for you, Tess. Thank you, mate. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, well, calls are being made for the Aboriginal flag to be flown at half-mast on Jan 26. What do you make of that? Give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Emails, I've got a couple here, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Uh, Glenn, regarding the QR codes. Marcus, I heard you mentioned earlier that those businesses that do not have a QR code will be fined, according to our health minister. I have just gone to Bunnings. They have a QR code system. And Bunnings tell me you don't have to register on the QR code. It's up to you. Maybe the health minister needs to have a talk to Bunnings. Really? I find that odd, Glenn. Um, Surely you'd need to sign in, wouldn't you? All right, this one from Matt on Rural Health. Matt says, G'day, Marcus, around... Five and a half years ago, my wife took ill and was admitted to hospital in the Manning Valley. Three weeks, she was there getting plotted, probed, filled with drugs and gradually getting worse. No answers were forthcoming, so I took it upon myself to remove her, requested her files and her scans, and then drove her to Newcastle. We had one appointment with a specialist who diagnosed terminal pancreatic cancer. She was given palliative chemo and died six months later at the age of 43, leaving behind myself and our two sons aged five and seven. Wow, that's really tough, Matt. I'm sorry to hear that. Matt says, Marcus, the system needs change as soon as possible. How are you, Marcus? Oh, well, thank you, Daryl. Thank you, mate. That's good. That's good. Um, QR codes. Yeah, mate. It's a good idea, but I, I, was, I live up in Newcastle area. Mm-hmm. Went into Bunnings the other day, and I was doing my service New South Wales and confirming it and that. And yep. A woman just come up behind me, and she just, I don't know, she could be by the weight and whatever, she just walked around and walked straight in, and there's two girls standing on the door, but they weren't checking whether anyone signed in or show, you, show them your phone to see that... Because you've got to confirm, you know, you've yeah. got to check in. When well, you if you go and have it. a meal uh, in a restaurant yeah. or if you go to a pub or a club, yeah. before they let you in the door, you need to show them and confirm that you've either done it on your phone. If you can't do it on your phone, then you need to fill in the little book they have. That's right. But a lot of these other businesses aren't doing that, you know, like, so, which is okay. I suppose it's always going to happen, but 
I just, you know. Well, it's not okay. I'm still not going to do this. Yeah. Mm. No, I know it's not okay, but. No. It won't the help. The government's probably throwing it, throwing it back, but what do you, what do, you do? Do, do mm. they, you know? Well, the problem that? is, I can understand how it might be difficult for, you know, the local deli, perhaps, and maybe some of them don't. I, I don't know. It depends on how many people they get there. But I find it, uh, I find it a little bit alarming that Bunnings aren't checking people. Look, it's all for contact tracing. That's why. If there's a, you know, a person that's gone to Bunnings and they have tested positive to COVID-19, well, they need to let everybody else know so that they themselves can get tested. You know how it works by now. And then you may need to go into isolation for a couple of weeks. Personally, I would like to know if a COVID-19 positive case has been somewhere I have. That's why they've set up the QR codes. It's to enable contact tracing. It's really important. But I am alarmed by now a second or third person who's contacted the program today saying at Bunnings they're not checking. Is that true? Alan works at a licensed venue. Oh, Alan, I probably haven't got time for you. I'll get you to hold on till after the news, Alan. Alan works at a licensed venue. Who wants to talk about the QR codes? All licensed venues need to ensure that people sign in. Well, then why aren't Bunnings ensuring their staff make sure that their customers, considering how many people would go to a, a Bunnings store throughout a day, probably thousands. All right, welcome back. Uh, the final hour of the John Laws Morning Show. Marcus Paul in the morning here and uh, Lawsy back, of course, after the Australia Day holiday. Look, uh, you might have just heard during the news with Michaela or your local news readers that Australia are batting first up there in Gabba in the deciding Gavaskar uh, border trophy test match. India, well, in the very first over, they've taken the wickets just a moment or two ago of David Warner. He's gone. He faced four deliveries. And on the fifth, he edged one into the slips, cordon and was caught. So Australia are now one for four. Of course, Marcus Harris is the other opener. He's still there. And played tests uh, for a while, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Look, India will be up against it. There's no doubt about that because uh, a number of their bowlers are making their debuts on this tour, if you like. But um, because of the injuries, they've got a stack of injuries. In fact, the bowler that's bowling right now is on his test debut. The left arm medium uh, bowler. Anyway, beautiful day in Brisbane at the Gabba. We'll keep you up to date with the scores. Uh, the tit-for-tat emails keep coming uh, between my mates Dennis and Andrew. Dennis has come back at you, Andrew, OK? Uh, Dennis says, I won't let people like Andrew get away with that. Memo to Andrew. Andrew. ScoMo left us in the lurch, mate. He left Australia while bushfires were on. He told no one he was leaving. He did not even tell Michael McCormick that he was acting PM at the time. Oh, well, I'm sure he did, didn't he? There were reporters wanting to ask questions of the PM. The PM's office referred them to Michael McCormick's office for answers. McCormick's office referred them back to the PM's office. They had no idea that he was a low hiring in Hawaii. 
No, look, I don't want to dredge all this stuff up again. Anyway, he goes on to say, says Dennis, then ScoMo came back because of the backlash he was receiving. When he did come back, Andrew, he apologised. But here is the clincher, dear Andrew, says Dennis. ScoMo then blamed his children. What man blames his children, Andrew? All right, thank you, Dennis. Is it even now? I don't know. If you two want to continue, maybe I'll I'll pass each other their emails. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, Alan, you work at a a licensed venue, do you, Alan? Yes, I do, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so I just for holding. To get on. a bit of light of, of what we've got to put up with, mate, or what we've got to do. Yeah. In a small community town, now we've got a population of eleven hundred people, so that's babies, nappies, that's a whole lot. So, yep. As far as adults that come into the club, you know, we're we're talking hundred and hundred and sixty people, and that's it. Yep. But with with the COVID law for us, we need to have a COVID marshal on, and in a small club, we we only have to operate over bistro hours. Yes. Okay, but what that equates to is $940 a week plus an 11% super every single week just to be on the COVID desk to make sure people uh, sign in with their phones or if they haven't got a phone, we've yeah. got the app on a, on a laptop and we've got to do it manually. Mm-hmm. So from a, from a small club point of view, that's $56,000 a year in extra wages that we've got to find. Yep. I've been on to the MP, I've been on to the, to the local member, the government asking for a COVID allowance or a COVID tax break to offset the cost of this COVID marshal. But you just hit a brick wall and you're going nowhere. So if we have... I had the inspector in last week. If yeah, we mate. never had the, the, the uh, QR code there on the desk, there was an instant $5,000 fine for the venue. Well, that's it. Uh, it's very difficult, I understand. And that's why, you know, um, it's important that we follow the rules. We do the right thing. We fill in uh, the book if we can't put it on our phone. But I take the point for a, a small community uh, club like the one you're referring to. It's an extra yep. big cost, 56. isn't it? So do you, do, you run, do you run the gauntlet and just say, well, find me five grand and, and get away with it? Or do you go break by, by paying out $56,000 in wages? Well, the problem is, I would imagine, once you uh, are caught once, they'll probably yeah. keep rechecking, mate. So That's it. Yeah. That's it. But, and um, if, you, if you keep breaking uh, you know, the rules, then obviously the club would be at risk of being shut down by the government, and that's the last thing anybody wants. Yep, yep. Yeah. And I've been to Bunnings two, two times this week, mate, and yep, the QR code's there, but they, they just couldn't give a rat's if, uh, if you sign in or not. Really? No one's checking it? Is that right? No, they're just staring at it, mate. And there's, there's a bird there all the time that wants to see what you walk out with. And sometimes they check your receipt, sometimes they don't. Yep. But the QR code's right in front of them, and mm-hmm. they don't say, oh, excuse me, sir, but you've got to scan in. They just sit there and, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, that's not good enough. Absolutely no. not good enough. We might find out off budding what's going on there. Thank you for the call. No worries. Thanks, Marcus. Good on you, Alan. Appreciate it. Pam, good morning. How are you, Pam? I'm great. Excellent. What's on your mind, Pam? Well, I tried to ring up the radio station last night for an hour. All right, don't need the live story. What's up, Pam? What can we do for you? Oh, well, I'm going to Sydney in two weeks' time, Mm. and I have to go out and see Marie. The blind lady, I've got a present for her. Oh, nice. Got to ring her the day before. Yes. And then I have to go to Piermont and drop a parcel off at Graham's. Right. Okay, and? And I paint all these lanterns. Right. And I painted 80 and I was going to the markets, 
that I sold them all to the people at the Tweetheads Bowls Club, even as chefs. Okay, so let's now we're getting interesting. So what do you do? You paint lanterns, do you? Yes, but the paints have dried up, so now I put lovely stickers on and decorate them. Hmm. And what, do you sell these at the markets? No, I give them away to my friends at Tweed City. Oh, aren't you lovely? Yes. Do they I love giving away. Oh, okay. And you want to give away a couple to, to people down here in Sydney. Okay, well, that's great. Um, maybe you should get in contact with the people you want to give them away to. Otherwise, um, I don't understand the point of the call. I really don't. I'm sorry. 13, 12, 69. Hi, Julie. Are you there? I am here. I um, have rang up about the QR codes. I work in a supermarket, yes, a major supermarket. Yeah. And we have been told we do not have to sign people in. It is up to them. Yeah, but, yeah. See, this is the thing. Um, I don't understand it. Then there's I a... don't agree with it, yeah. but there's that's a... what we've been told as workers. Well, then how come other venues are at risk of copying a $5,000-plus fine... Uh, if they don't ensure people are filling in and scanning QR codes, etc., how come it seems to be that some of the busiest places, like your, you know, your Bunnings warehouses and a big supermarket store, don't seem to be affected by the same rules? Well, that's what I want to know. Because mm. when we first got it, I thought we would have to sign everyone in. I'm on the front end. And I was told, no, we don't have to. Yeah. It's up to the individual to sign in. Okay. Yeah, look, it doesn't seem fair. And as my last caller mentioned, uh, the fellow who was, you know, working out in the bush at a... Uh, uh, at only a small establishment. I mean, they're having to put somebody on at a cost of, what, 50-odd thousand a year to ensure that they're checking people. Why is it that only pubs, clubs and other venues and restaurants, etc., you know, need to ensure that people sign in and you can't get in there if you don't sign in? But what, you're allowed to go into Bunnings or you're allowed to go into uh, your local Woolies or Coles? And bugger signing in, bugger filling in the book. It's a pain. I'm just going to go get me a groceries and off I go. I mean, these sorts of environments would attract a hell of a lot more people than a country town pub. Doesn't seem right to me. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to add your five cents. Uh, John is there on the open line. G'day, John. Hello, Marcus. How are you? I haven't rung in the morning. What you're talking about, the country, I want to give a plug to Merriwar Hospital. Merriwar Hospital, yes. I had an accident out there on Sunday, and I went there and was attended to by one of the nicest persons, the most humanitarian person ever in my life. I can give you his name. I, I know his name. It's Kevin Grant. I've never met a more medical person in my life like him. He's an unbelievable human being. Now, you're talking to Joel Fitzgibbons yesterday about the Foreign Investment Review Board and everything else. Joel Fitzgibbons should, and the rest of the National Party and Country Party and Liberal Party, yeah. should start to think about how hospitals, I know we've all been on it, I've been on it, how they're neglected. I had that first vision of that on Sunday. Now, if, if you're in a bad way, they can't help you because they don't have doctors. 
and they uh, uh, because the government neglected, but they could put billions of dollars up for, for uh, football ales and everything else, and forget the people out in the bush that uh, in the country areas where they, the, our wealth is generated with mining and farming. Well, that's right. Now, we, yeah. when Joel Fitzgibbon said about the Foreign Investment Review Board, that just hasn't happened, Joel. That's been going on for years. And it's not the Foreign Investment Review Board to tick off on, it's Treasury. And that's been known for for 50 years. <laughs> and it's Treasury. What yep. Joel Fitzgibbons and everyone else wants to come to terms with and rectify, and I'll give you what Joe Hockey said. I can tell you what the Assistant Commissioner of Taxation said, but Joe Hockey said in Parliament, the PAYE works from January to the end of June, paying tax in some form. The rest of the year is his. Then, then for the rest of the time, you're paying the grab snatch and take the GST. Yes. That's what they've got to address, the in, uh, inequality of our tax system. And that, that goes for our small business people and the PAYE. The PAYE carries the burden of the tax, ben, the, the, the tax revenue in this country. About 68% of all tax collected might be a bit higher now. Yeah. PAYE. Now, they're the things they should be addressing. None of this glossing over, oh, it's all secretive, but they want it secretive in the Parliament. If you want to open it right up, Joel, let the public know what the foreign investor is. There's only eight people down there. They've got no chance of doing like In 2019... On, he did say, in fairness to, to Fitzy, he did tell me yesterday that he's equally as frustrated that the uh, Foreign Investment Review Board seems to uh, operate under a, a cloak of secrecy. So, Yes, that's right. That's what he said. Parliament should know, but that'll be held in camera. That's mm. the same thing, Joel. Open yeah. it up and give it to the public. All right, mate. Well said. Thank you, John. Appreciate your calls, as always. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. the telephone number. Malcolm. Good morning to you, Malcolm. G'day. How you doing? All right, thanks, Malcolm. What's on your mind? Um, I'm an 82-year-old man. I've worked all my life, and I'm located in Queensland. Yep. I just think our Premier has two ways of thinking. If you are well hung and you've got plenty of money... Well, Hang on. What did you say if you have plenty of money and you're what? Well, 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 you know, well off. Well off, yeah. Okay, if you're well off, you have plenty of money, yes. Uh, she has an opinion. You, anybody can come into Queensland. Wow. Small business is suffering, closing its doors left, right and centre. Hotels, cafes, small bars. Yep. We have no say. Yep. Yet I see on television... Last night, the Magic Mile, horses racing along Surface Paradise Beach, hundreds of thousands of people lying there, shoulder to shoulder, no masks, no nothing. Hundreds of thousands? I don't know about that. Uh, what, along the beach? Yeah. Anyway, look, I, I, know, I take your point, uh, and your point is very valid. Small businesses are suffering, not only in Queensland, but in other areas around the country, and yet Magic Millions continues on the Goldie. Uh, we've got the cricket happening up at the Gabba. We've got, you know, positive uh, pot... Gosh, spit it out, Marcus. We've got positive tests for tennis players with COVID-19 coming into the country. It's a very, very valid point. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Tony, hello. Tony! Tony didn't hold on. All right. I feel like a little bit of a break, some light relief. Here's the man song. Ladies and gentlemen, the man song. Just said that. Eat the man. Eat the man. 
I don't take no crap from anybody else but you. <laughs> I wear the pants around here when I finish with your laundry. Because <laughs> I'm a guy you don't want to fight. When I say jump, you say you're right. I'm the man of this house until you get home. <laughs> He's the man. He's the man. What I say goes around here right out the window. <laughs> And I don't want to hear a lot of whining, so I'll shut up. <laughs> The sooner you learn who's boss around here, the sooner you can give me my orders, dear. Because I'm head honcho around here, but calling my head. He's the man. He's the man. And I can have sex any time that you want. Because I'm a man who has needs, but they're not that important. And don't expect any flowers from me, because if I'm not mistaken, you prefer jewelry. I'm the king of my castle when you're not around. He's the man. He's the man. And I'll drink and watch sports whenever I want to get in trouble. And I'll come home when I'm good and ready to sleep on the couch. Cause a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. And I'm gonna do what you tell me to. Because I'm top dog around here, but I've been neutered. He's the man. He's the man. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. All right, on the text 0458049209, I see that Mac up there in the Hunter has sent me a note here. Uh, in fact, I'll go to uh, this one first. Morning, Marcus. Woolies, Coles, Aldi, or any shop in Charlestown Square. Yeah, that's Newcastle, isn't it? Up in the Hutter. Charlestown Square does not check your entry on QR code. Most just walk straight through. No sanitizer or mask. Same on public transport in Newcastle. Well, hang on. Public transport is supposed to wear a mask. Masks are mandatory on public transport. Government-operated uh, buses, trains and ferries. And last time I checked, the government-operated public transport in Newcastle. Uh, this one as well. G'day, Marcus. There's no way on God's green earth that ScoMo or his mates would allow the Australian flag to be flown at half-mast on Australia Day. No, 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 no. It's not the Australian flag that Lydia Thorpe, uh, the latest Indigenous Senator from Victoria is asking for, Lydia Thorpe is calling for the Aboriginal flag to be flown at half-mast on January 26. So it's not the Australian flag. Thank you, uh, Mac, I appreciate that, but no, it's not the Australian flag. It won't be flown at half-mast at all. I would hope the Australian flag is flown high and proudly on Australia Day, along with the Aboriginal flag, to be perfectly honest. I don't think it will be, though. It never is on Australia Day, unfortunately. Hi, Jeff. How are you, mate? Are you there, Jeff? Jeff couldn't hold on. Pat, are you there? Yeah, good day, Marcus. How are you, mate? Uh, good, thank you, mate. What's on your mind? Hey, just about this... Um uh, Bunnings and the large supermarket chains and so on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Don't know if I'm correct or not, but I think it's based on the um, the size of the venue. 
so like Bunnings and Woolworths and, and the big coals and so on and so forth, we've got um, the, the venues big enough for people to social distance uh, compared to like the pubs and clubs and um, and restaurants where it's you got minimal space and it's, it would be a lot harder to social distance in there. Yeah, it's, but I think that that might be the reason behind it. Probably is. It's still ridiculous though. Yeah, but anyway. Um, yeah, I think it's just based on the size. I don't know anything about public transport, yeah. but um, I think it's just based on the size of the, the venue itself. Well, public transport, you absolutely need to wear a mask. That's mandatory. Um, yeah. As far as QR codes are concerned, well, obviously, uh, there's no QR code for each and every train, bus and ferry in New South Wales. But, look, I just have concerns that there are a lot of people that get to Bunnings. A lot of people go and buy groceries, Coles, Woolies, wherever. Um, And uh, really, if if you're going to make a rule for for the hospitality industry and for pubs and clubs, etc., uh, then you should make it mandatory for the bigger venues like your Coles, Woolies and whatever to ensure yeah, contact yeah, tracing. Yeah, that's probably true in itself. Well, but, otherwise um, you're just relying on people to be honest and to come forward if they do if they have attended these venues. You have to make sure that they're watching or listening to the news to ensure that they know that there's been a COVID-positive case in that place rather than them contacting you. I mean, if somebody walks into a an establishment, say, in Sydney that's had a, a positive case dine there or have a drink there, well, then, because they've got your details on the QR code, they can give you a call and let you know. Mind you, a lot of people are giving dodgy details when they sign in. I mean, I yes, yes, yeah, here we go. I found it. I got a note here from, uh, and I forgot to get to this the other day. This is from Stephen. Marcus, a few mates and I went down to our local. I won't mention where it is. Uh, maybe I should, but anyway, I won't for now. A few mates and I went down to our local. We all signed in. A couple of the boys weren't able to sign in on their phone, so they filled in the book. Above where they signed in their details... They noticed, with glee, that Barney Rubble, Fred Flintstone and Wilma from the Flintstones were all in the same pub. (laughs) So people are still doing what they shouldn't do and giving false details on the QR sign-in books. I don't know why. Um, Maybe they just think it's funny. But anyway, Barney Rubble, Fred Flintstone and Wilma... We're at the same pub as me and my mates. Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. All right. Uh, thank you to Paul in Townsville for your notes. Uh, enjoying the show, mate. Thank you. Also to Mary in Dubbo listening to us today. These are all texts 0458 if you would like to send me a text. Uh, Mary in Dubbo says, good morning, Marcus. We all have to sign in at Coles in Dubbo. Well, there we go. Appreciate it. Uh, let me know if you want to have your say that way. You absolutely can. Uh, There's a stack of other emails. Oh, this one's good. This one. Uh, Ewan from Narrowmine. Thank you, Ewan. Marcus, the virtual doctor 
is all we have at Narromine Hospital. Despite the fact we have around six doctors working at our doctor's surgery, a virtual doctor cannot touch a patient to determine pain, etc. A virtual doctor being being walked around the hospital on a monitor can be heard outside the room where the patient is having a virtual consult. So there's no privacy. What happens if this bloody virtual doctor is delivering bad news? It can be heard outside the room. That's not good enough. As you said, it's not fair for our fantastic nurses either. Some narrow mind locals did a story on 60 Minutes about this late last year. Enjoy the show. Ewan from Narromine. Hmm. It's not good enough. I mean, I understand as a, you know, maybe a one-off or as a backup, you have a virtual doctor, but nothing virtually replaces the real thing and never, ever will. Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. All right, two new cases of COVID-19 in New South Wales after a donut day yesterday, a day of zero. Two new cases in the last 24 hours to 8 o'clock last night, but they're from overseas and in quarantine. All right, so it's not bad news. It takes the total number of cases since, well, nearly a year ago, January the 25th last year, to 4,854. And sadly, as we know in New South Wales, excuse me, we've lost 56 people. Kerry, hello, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Kerry, how are you? Yep, I've got you there. Real well, thank you. Um, Excellent. I'm ringing about this flying the Aboriginal flag at half-mast. I just can't believe that these people are on about this. We've got to stop pandering to these people. We've seen the Coon Cheese episode where it had absolutely nothing to do with Aboriginal and Torres Strait people. Yep. We've um, we've got the in Australia. We've got this home and community care. We're we're, we're separating uh, us from that. We're we're making the laws, and it's just separating us. We've got um, home and community care where Aboriginal or Torres Strait Island people go into our Aboriginal Torres Strait Island people's homes, and we've got White Hack where. White people go into white homes. Mm. There's nothing wrong with an Aboriginal lady going into um, a white person's home and doing what needs doing. Well, I would separate. have thought. <laughs> I would have thought. I, I, colour has nothing to do, uh, or your background has nothing to do with your ability to do a job so long as you do it properly. Exactly. So why is it happening? We're, we're, we, the lawmakers, yep. are, are creating this. We've got a um, we've got a medical centre that's only for black people here in Innisfail. We've got a hall for Chowai Hall. We've got um, buildings rented out for this. We've got a shop in here selling run by Aboriginal people and. I just can't believe we're separating it. We're, it's weird. We're causing all, this. all right, I'll give you a good example. Um, and you've just given me an example of segregation. When I uh, make my way home um, to get on public transport, to get on a bus or a ferry or a train today, I'll probably 
walk through Chinatown. Now, I don't mind walking through Chinatown here in Sydney. I don't feel uncomfortable. I think it's wonderful. I love the culture. Um, and I love the food, to be perfectly honest. I feel like I'm actually welcome in Chinatown. Nobody. Uh, I mean, obviously, people of a similar background flock together. And obviously, in Chinatown, around Haymarket in Sydney, there are a lot of Chinese people. But there's also a lot of people of non-Chinese background. I don't like the idea that we still have segregation so far as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are concerned in some communities in our country. I don't think it works. I believe it's divisive. Um, just like I, I bit my tongue the other day when somebody uh, mentioned to me about this pool. Oh, I, I did say it. I did talk about it. This, I don't know, women-only pool down at Bondi. Apparently, if you're not a female, you can't use the water down there. Last time I checked, this was Australia, Jack, and... It was a uh, a public pool. So in other words, unless, you know, you're born a woman, you can't swim in this particular pool. Uh, again, it's, it's obviously segregation along sex lines uh, or your gender, if you like. I don't know. Why do we even bother with it? Oh, no, we've lost another wicket. We've lost another wicket at the cricket. Just let me have a look here. Mm, Marcus Harris gone for five. Australia two for 17 after eight overs. So it's looking a little tough at the moment for the Aussies up there at the Gabba in Brisbane. Now, speaking of tough, what about this? Instead of a burger, a driver got the barrel of a gun pointed square between his eyes at McDonald's in southwest Sydney. At Eaglevale. Eaglevale's not far from Campbelltown. Maybe you saw it on your news bulletins. How terrifying. This carjacking, captured by a security camera, actually happened late last year, last December. It's been released in the last 24 hours by New South Wales Police in a bid to find the gunman. Now, the CCTV quite clearly shows some goose wearing military camouflage, goggles, and armed with a pistol approach a 32-year-old man in, of all things... An orange Hyundai gets. No, I used to own a gets. <laughs> they get you from one place to another. Uh, but they're not the car of choice, surely, for carjackers. I don't mean to make light of it, but it's a Hyundai gets. You know, it's not the latest Beamer or Merc. It's a gets, for goodness sake. Anyway, it was very early in the morning, around 1.30 in the morning. This 32-year-old sitting in his orange Hyundai gets at Eagle Vale Maccas when the attacker forced the driver out of the car at gunpoint before fleeing the scene in the said gets and driving toward Dolomite Place. Now, the distraught driver alerted staff from the restaurant who contacted police. The man was not injured, thank goodness. Later that morning at around 2.50am, the Hyundai Gets was located at Eagle Farm Reserve at Eagle Vale, so not too far. So the Gets didn't get this car taken very far. I'll stop that. The car was seized for forensic examination. Now, police have released this chilling video and want our help. If you can assist, give them a call, one 800 0 
Look, um, we had a uh, an earlier story this morning that I wanted to update. We had a, a good ending to it. Now, earlier today, I reported to my listeners in Sydney in particular and those stations taking the breakfast show on the network, a toddler had wandered into somebody's home, somebody's backyard or front, I don't know, backyard, front yard. Anyway, a toddler had turned up at a home in West Albury, a little two-year-old, and he was dressed in his PJs, blonde hair, blue-eyed. He was around two, year, two years of age, and at 4.30 in the morning, he's rocked up to someone's house. <laughs> so police launched an appeal to find the parents of this toddler, this young fellow wearing his Bluey the Dog PJs. Uh, the boy was described as being of Caucasian appearance, aged around two, blue eyes, blonde hair, wearing his PJs with Bluey the dog on the front. Now, police started a search for the boy's parents, but they hadn't located them as of 8.39 o'clock this morning. And then it sparked a whole range of questions. How did the little fella get to where he got to? I mean, imagine that. Anyway, the good news is, A toddler found unaccompanied in Albury this morning has been reunited with his parents. We know the details here. Police would like to thank the public for their assistance with this matter. All right, but how did the little fella get there? Um, Two years of age. How does a a two-year-old in his PJs, even if he is sleepwalking, how the hell does he get out of the house? And how does he unlock the door? I, I don't know. It's a bit of a concern. I mean, I don't want to point fingers at anybody, but a two-year-old, I mean, it could have been far, far worse. I don't know how far the little fella... I mean, that's all, these are all the details we have, but I don't know how far the little fella travelled. He could have been hit by a car. He could have been bitten by a dog. It could have been so much worse. How does a little two-year-old go wandering in the morning at 4.30am? Come up the dial and give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right. um, I love it when I get these. Thank you uh, to my little spy, my informant, (laughs) Elsa. Good old Elsa Matthews. Elsa is back at it again, causing all sorts of problems on the fake John Laws fan page. Elsa says, Marcus Paul believes that the Union Jack on the Australian flag should be replaced with the Aboriginal flag. Do you agree? Um, and then there's a whole swag of people there having a real old crack, a real old go. They're too gutless to actually ring the open line, but I'll just read out your comments. Mandy Hope says, FFS. We know what that means. Mandy, is that the best response you have to an important debate? Mandy, is that it? FFS? Well, you want to give me a call and elaborate? Or, I don't know, Mandy, maybe that's the extent of your vocabulary. Jack Smolders. Now, there's a fake account if ever I've heard one. He's a bloody troublemaker. And John Holmes. John Holmes. H-O-L-M-E-S. Is that a real account? It's got Mount Panorama in the background. Maybe John is from Bathurst, perhaps. John turns around and says, He's a dead-set grub and true lefty antagonist. Ah, well, the good bit is you're all still listening. Hello, Leslie. How are you? 
Leslie. Oh, hang on. I'll press the button properly. Hello. Uh, oh, there we go. We've sorted out that issue, Leslie. You there, Dal? I am here. How are you? Oh, okay, thank you, Leslie. What's on your mind? I just wanted to tell you a quick story. In 1977, I was living in Canberra. My husband was in the army. Yeah. And he, it was a, a very hot day. Like, I don't know how hot it was, but it was very hot. Um, I had a nine-month-old who could walk, and she had a one of those little paper nappies on. Yeah. My husband, my husband came in from work, and it was pouring rain, and he got saturated, and he's gone into the shower. Yeah. And she stood on an, an ottoman, opened the front door, oh. went down the steps, and the people next door to our place, their kitchen faced. We we're in a cul-de-sac. Their yeah. kitchen faced the cul-de-sac. And I hear a knock on my door, and it's the guy with her under the armpits, dripping wet. And he says to me, "Have you lost something?" Oh my goodness me! And and she was only nine months old. What a crafty little devil she was! So she stood on an so, ottoman and then yeah, unlocked stood on the an door. Ottoman. Yeah, oh, well, not unlocked it, just opened. It. Oh, it opened, opened the it. Door. Yes, of course. So she'd seen she'd seen us doing it. So after that, my husband put one of those chains things on the inside of the door right up near the top where she couldn't reach. Well, there we go. Uh, there so we go. They, they, they can get out. They're pretty smart sometimes. Absolutely. And that's, I but, guess, why it's important perhaps to have the chains on. Yeah. But mine was only missing for a couple of minutes. <laughs> well, not, not for a long time. I know, but I bet you, uh, you know, your, your anxiety levels went up. Uh, well, I didn't know she was missing, though. I suppose I would have been anxious if I knew she was missing. I was in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah, anyway. boy, oh, boy. What a shock. All right. Okay. Thank you, Leslie. That's an interesting story. <laughs> Little nine-month-old crafty devil. What, is, what does she do? She pulls the ottoman up. I've seen mum and dad. I've seen how they open the door. I'm going to do the exact same thing. And <laughs> freedom. Freedom.